I could watch that. I could watch that. Yeah, I could watch that. I could watch that. I'm not fucking watching that. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) That's gonna stay in. I'm such a trendsetter. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. So, uh, this episode is dedicated to my good friend, Sydney Berger, who did our art for, um, like, all of our social media stuff, and he's great, and he actually has an Instagram where he, like, posts all, like, the little fun things that he does, and it's Sydney Berger Art on Instagram, and yeah, he just, like, we gave him an idea, and he just, like, completely ran with it, and we really liked the result, so we just wanted to give him a little shout out, because he's great. Thank you, Sydney! He might yeah. not watch listen, or watch this, but listen to this. He couldn't he, watch this? He couldn't watch this. <laughs> There's no fucking way he's watching this. <laughs> Welcome to I Could Watch That. I'm Alicia. I'm Ashley. I'm Heather. And I'm Kelly. Yay. Episode two. We're really sorry about episode one. <laughs> We're learning. Just listen to the first 30 minutes. Uh, it explains the, the podcast, and then after that, listen to us ramble about shit we like. Uh, and just thank you for coming back. <laughs> Because we know that first episode was, I'm uh, sure, hard to get through, so. I mean, really, you could have just spent the entire rest of that hour just trying to figure out who we are. Or doing laundry or the dishes or anything. <laughs> Something useful aside from just listening to us ramble. Or if you're home alone and scared, just play us and mm-hmm. feel not alone anymore. <laughs> We're here for you. <laughs> We're in your house. Okay. <laughs> Zero to 60 real quick. Okay. That wasn't a threat, we promise. <laughs> So the format of the podcast is, uh, for the first topic, we're doing our top three favorite movies of all time, and each week someone's going to host with their top movie and kind of explain the backstory of the movie, the characters, um, interesting things on set, stuff with the director, whatever. So just for a recap, uh, my top three, this is Alicia, are number one, Kill Bill, number two, The Matrix, number three, Cloud Atlas. And then next would be me, Ashley, uh... Clueless is my top number one, uh, Hocus Pocus, and then The Mummy, of course, referring to the Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weiss, The Mummy. And this is Heather, and my top three were number one, The Devil Wars Prada, number two, Meet the Robinsons, and then number three, The Princess Bride. And this is Kelly, and my top three were uh, The Crow, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and finally The Avengers. So, this is Alicia. I'm going to be going first this week with Kill Bill, my favorite movie. We actually just got finished uh, watching them together to kind of refresh our memories and jot down any thoughts we might have and uh, fill out this super complex outline so we don't go off on tangents. <laughs> Maybe. 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 Not, no promises, but, you know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I guess we should uh, state that this is Kill Bill Volume 1 and, and two, 2 collectively as, as they one were, movie. As they were meant to as, be seen. Exactly. Correct. Correct. So we're not yeah. just choosing one over the other. <laughs> we did watch both. Yeah. One of the reasons we did that is because they were actually filmed together as one movie. And the studio, Miramax at the time, thought a four-hour movie would probably be a bit much for people. And now we got up into today's day and age where, you know, you want a Marvel movie to just be three hours long and everyone's pretty damn satisfied. So... I just think he was ahead of his time, and just they should let him do it. Make Endgame as long as possible. <laughs> yes, please. Give us all the story. Mm-hmm. Just give us a quick intermission, bathroom break, and we're fine. Mm-hmm. So, Kill Bill Volume 1 came out in 2003, 
and Kill Bill Volume 2 came out in 2004, and they were actually only about six months apart, I believe, and they were both on a $30 million budget uh, for each movie, and Volume 1 made about $180 million at the box office, and wow. Volume 2 made $152 million. So slightly less, but still really good. And well, they... it was smart of, of Miramax to split them, because they made double the money. Mm-hmm. Right. Kill Bill was directed by Quentin Tarantino. And it's kind of a homage to Grindhouse Cinema, martial arts movies, spaghetti westerns, um, and and anime. What's a spaghetti western? (laughs) Please elaborate. So according to Google, (laughs) a a spaghetti western is a movie about the American Old West made cheaply in Europe, typically by an Italian producer and director. Ah. Hmm. So, so not knock off <laughs> a knockoff western movie made gotcha. by uh, foreign producers. Gotcha, so gotcha. they're a little more ridiculous and fun, mm. uh, okay. which is kind of Tarantino's As thing. These movies were exactly, yeah, sure. exactly. Spoiler alert: <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is going to include spoilers for Kill Bill Volume One and Kill Bill Volume Two by Quentin Tarantino. If you're afraid of spoilers, don't listen to this about movies from 2003. So we're going to go over the main characters, uh, the first one of which is, of course, Uma Thurman. She's uh, Beatrix Kiddo, a.k.a. The Bride, a.k.a. Black Mamba, a.k.a. Mommy. And she is a former member of the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad and described as the deadliest woman in the world. Okay, hold on myself. Sure. <laughs> she does actually call herself that in she volume does. two, and uh, she does. It's a line, and just sure, okay. Can't argue with her though. You've met everybody in the world. <laughs> sure. I mean, she kills everyone it's who in were the world. also who were also just as deadly as she was. So I mean, that's out fair. of them. I can you know. I can concede the point, but still, I mean, I just think Ashley's jealous that she's not the deadliest person in the world. No. To be honest, no. so. Well, Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I need to go climb up some mountains and train with a with Pime with a Sifu. <laughs> oh yeah. Hmm. Number one on oh, her list on her kill list. Number one on the bride's hit list is Lucy Liu's character Oren Ishii, aka Cottonmouth, and she was actually uh, probably mm-hmm. it appears to us the closest to the bride uh, when they were on the Deadly Viper team together. Because of the way they interact, it's not as... I mean, it's violent for sure, but towards the end when they're fighting, it's a little more like they know each other well. None of that's actually, like, in the movie. I mean, that's all people's interpretation, right? Yeah, kind of, but then they have that inside joke... Right. ...that we're going to talk about later, and And, it seems to me that that's what it is. And I've seen that speculation, and I've seen that discussion, I completely, Mm -hmm. you know agree with it. I think it adds a really cool extra layer to the movie, but it's not actually explicit in the movie. Right? I'm just asking. No, I don't think so. But I think she's the one she goes after first because she knew where she was because Mm -hmm. she knew her the best. Right. Uh, So number two is Vivica A. Fox's character, Vernita Green, a.k.a. Copperhead. And uh, in the movie, she's actually shown... um, getting assassinated first by the bride, even though Oren is the one who goes down first. Do we have any speculation as to why he did that? Why we show... Is it just because we think that he has... Why it's out of order? We have more history with Oren, so they want to make that more. And so it means a little more because it comes exactly, later? Exactly, because it comes later. But, I mean, it is shot out of order because she mm-hmm. dies second. Or is it because she has a daughter? 
Mm. Personally, I think that. I, I think it's to set up that long sequel that, you know, people talk about. I think it's to put that in early just as something there. Mm-hmm. But also, um, I think it makes for a good opening scene without get, without giving too much away. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't. Okay, at, at that point in time, when you see that, you just see her... Kicks the door in. Kicks the door in, and they start fighting. So immediately, as an audience member, you're like, what the fuck am I watching? Mm-hmm. Right. And then you're in it. You want to mm-hmm. know, why, why is she doing she this? such a crazy bitch? Whereas, mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, no, it, it's it's justified. <laughs> oh, no, for uh-huh. sure. But, <laughs> so, but I, so to your point, like what you had said, I agree. I think they wanted to save the thing with Oren, because they that's where you start... You, you get between the two, between... Her going after, um... Vernita. Vernita, and then her going after Oren, you get a little bit more of what they did. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like Oren, and maybe that's part of it too, them having that, that it history. meant that a little more. Right, it meant more to drag that out a little mm-hmm. bit more, which, you know, again, no offense to Vivica Fox, no offense to Vernita, but just, that was an easy mm-hmm. capture-in for the mm-hmm. audience to be like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Pulp Fiction was made before this movie, yes. correct? Yes, mm-hmm. 1994. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how Pulp Fiction is shot. It's, yes. It's like slight, I mean, you go back, like, That's how most happen. of his movies are. Right, right. so I think like it's that. just kind of order. also his style, yeah. you know? It's, so it's when I, I think point. when I saw it, I, like, it didn't, I was like, oh, why is she first? But then once you see his mm-hmm. other movies, you're like, oh, that's just what he does. His storytelling. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but also, I do agree that, you know, it does draw you in, like, oh, a little yeah. bit more so than... It, well, it gets you pumped. It gets you, gets you yeah. really excited for the movie. I, for me, anyway. Yeah. Every time I'm like, you know, that happens, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm sitting here for the next two hours, and we're gonna see what happens, even though right. I know what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, the interesting thing about this is, once we get to the third and fourth targets, which are Michael Madsen as Bud, who is Bill's brother, and Daryl Hannah as L. Driver. Those two are only really in the second half mm-hmm. of the movie, you know, in volume two. And Viv K. Fox and um, Lucy Liu are in the first half. And mm-hmm. some people have, you know, used that as a criticism of the movies because one is a little more action-packed focused and the other one's a little more chill. But keep in mind they were filmed as one movie. They were, they were meant to so, watch together. Right. Yeah. You're supposed to watch them back to back. Bud, uh, his codename was Sidewinder. L's codename is California Mountain Snake. And L basically becomes Bill's lover during, after, question mark, Beatrix yeah. goes missing. Well, he, I mean, to be fair, maybe jump again a little bit here, Bill being the snake charmer, he probably led a lot of those women on, so. Oh, I'm sure he slept with them all. Oh, yeah. At yeah. some point. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So as we'll get into kind of Bill's backstory, and obviously he's big number five, <laughs> he grew up with a gentleman named Esteban Bejeo, who, yeah, who's basically a pimp. So he grew up around a, a brothel and a harem of women around this powerful man. Right. And what does he do? He's got a deadly assassin team, four of which were women, at least two of which he was sleeping with, and the fifth member is his brother. He was building up his own harem, basically. I guess that leads me to, did they just kill whoever Bill wanted them to kill? Yes. Oh, yeah. They were contract killers, and mm-hmm. he would tell them, this is your assignment. But do you think that people, like, reached out to him and was like, we need this person taken care of, and then he dispersed mm-hmm. them? Or, yeah. he, or he had his own Or agenda. he had his own uh, vendetta of he, yeah. I'm sure it's yeah. both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, they never really go into, I mean, we do know, obviously, they're assassins, like, right. they're, they're probably contract mm-hmm. killers, mm-hmm. but I mean, they don't actually, well, they probably, but I guess that doesn't really well, add they, anything. They probably to... took work from other people too, before they got in super deep. I mean, well, we know Oren by the time she was 20 was one yeah. of the top female assassins. They right. say that in the anime section. And I think 
after that, she takes, helps him take down Beatrix when she's, like, 25, so five years later. Mm -hmm. So she's working with him probably for five years Mm -hmm. or so in between that. Well, and and there's there's a talk about in her part, too, where he also helped her become head of the, you know, When she's four years later, by the time uh, Beatrix comes looking for her, she's the head of the Yakuza. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she's probably 29. You pat my back, I'll pat yours. Right, Mm -hmm. exactly. And I think they all got something out of it. Mm -hmm. Except Bud. (laughs) Bud got self-loathing and alcoholism. (laughs) 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 But uh, Vernita got the Susie Homemaker life she wanted. Mm-hmm. And Oren got to be a crime boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. L got the man she wanted mm-hmm. and to be second in command. Yep. And Bud went on his marry. Yep. So that's kind of what happened after yeah. the fall of uh, yeah. the, the bride. Yeah, yes. after the bride gets shot in the head. Okay, so we're gonna, we've kind of bounced around into the plot of it, just, you know, as we will. But we're gonna kind of go through chronologically about what happened in the plot. The film opens with the bride being attacked by the deadly vipers. They're at a chapel in El El Paso, Texas, and we don't know this at the moment, but we know later. It's not a wedding, it's a wedding rehearsal. Michael Parks and his son James Parks, they play Earl and Edgar McGraw, and I know Ashley wanted to talk about that a bit. Well, um, it it was interesting, and I I hadn't watched um, Kill Bill in a while, but I, I had known of this or heard of this just in general. We had watched From Dusk Till Dawn more, I had watched that more recently than I had watched the Kill Bill movies, and I had remembered there's an Earl McGraw in From Dusk Till Dawn, um, also played by Michael Parks. He actually reprises that role in Kill Bill, From Dusk Till Dawn, and then the also uh, Grindhouse movies that Tarantino and Robert Robert Rodriguez, Rodriguez. who did From Dusk Till Dawn, Mm -hmm. they did together. So I thought that was actually really interesting that it's one of those mm-hmm. characters that was created and then exists over multiple mm-hmm. movies to kind of show that maybe they're in the same universe. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, and you know, Robert Rodriguez and Tarantino were good friends. Worked and really they, well together. Yeah. And they've worked on a lot of movies together. They have kind of a similar grindhouse style. And right. so they just, their stuff goes well together. Mm. Although I'm going to say Planet Terror, <laughs> way better than Death Proof. Well, and he's, a, I mean, I feel like he's another one too that likes the, the chopped up storytelling. Cho- right, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Too. Certainly. So, so I think they they both Maybe they bond over that. <laughs> That's what they tell each other at night. You know, what can we chop up <laughs> movie-wise? So, Are you going to chop up that movie? I'm going to chop up that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get our knives, boys. <laughs> During that whole scene, the bride does tell Bill that she's pregnant with his baby, and he shoots in the head, but... So, okay. It... It's a theory that I've had, and mm-hmm. I, my own personal theory, I, I haven't really read it anywhere, or if I did, I don't remember it, it's just something I've always thought. Because um, with that scene, when they're doing it, they zoom to the, no, it's the second movie, where they show the gun. No, it's the first, no, it's the first one. I, I, where they show the... No, I, I wrote the, Okay. Cool, they recycle cool, the scene. The same cool, scene. Cool mm-hmm. gunshot. Right. So, <laughs> I've always, I've always been under the impression that he catches that. That he, when she goes, her last words are, baby, it's your baby. Of course he did. No, so I, f- I feel like he catches that and he actually m- moves, moves the, the gun. gun. So that's why, because, oh. because like you. Because I, I, so the way it's shot is that he's going to shoot her like in, in the, the face. Head. In the head. In the forehead, mm-hmm. at least. Right. And. He's a good shot, presumably. And, yeah. And, and when she wakes up. Sh- there's a plate in the side of her head. Right. So I was like, didn't he shoot her in the forehead? Right. So. So that's always been my assumption is that he caught that or maybe he just knew which as soon as she started talking, he was like, wait a minute. 
Mm-hmm. So I've always been in the impression that he's, sl- you know, obviously he was already pulling the trigger. There was no way that bullet was not going to fly, but maybe he can do minimal damage. And whether that was to potentially protect her because he left her or that was to protect his unborn baby. Because later on in volume two, he says, you went off with my baby. Right. So I think you're probably right. Right. So I, I maybe he just wants, maybe he just wanted okay. to do that to protect his baby and then whatever happened to her is what happened to her. But that's the impression I've always been under hmm. is that he moved the gun slightly. I mean, it still potentially could have, like you said, Heather, could have gone straight into her forehead, but it just so happened it didn't luckily. Yeah. And I mean, there is a possibility of her turning her head at the mm-hmm. last minute as well. Flinching. But we, yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't, we don't know. We don't because, know. I mean... So yeah, so that's always been a theory that I've I've always liked. I've always uh, headcanon, I guess, that I've always had about it is yeah. that he caught the tail end of it, slightly turned the gun because he knew it was too late, and that's just why she wasn't shot. Because I mean, that was a close range. If he wanted to shoot her in the head, he would have shot her in the head. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good point. All right, so chapter one is actually called two <laughs> when the title card comes up in the movie, and it's four years later. The the bride shows up at Vernita's house, and she's ready to kill a bitch. Vernita Green, again, is um, Vivica Fox. Mm-hmm. She's uh, technically number two on the list, but chapter one is called two, so it's referring to her. Mm-hmm. And now Vernita basically has the life that Beatrix wanted. Mm-hmm. She's Susie Homemaker. She's got a kid. She's got a husband. Married she's got a nice doctor. house. Yeah. Yep. Dr. Green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, she comes up and rings the doorbell. Heather. What? You wanted to remark on how weird her finger was oh. touching the doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, her finger bends 90 fucking degrees, <laughs> like, what she, happened? She was pressing that doorbell? I can't, I'm pressing my finger on the table right now, and it does not bend that way. <laughs> like, like, we are all pressing our fingers on the table? I literally said, Oh, Ew. Alicia's kind of does it. It, no. No, 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 no it doesn't. No. No, no, no. Maybe, well, maybe it's like that whole Uma thing. Therma has weird fingers. Maybe it's like, and weird I said it first. <laughs> and weird. You were the first person to ever say that about Uma Thurman's hands. Sure. <laughs> maybe it's like the, like a hitchhiker's thumb. Like but a hitchhiker pointed finger. Yeah! <laughs> like, <laughs> can you imagine hitchhiking with your pointer finger? Oh my god. Oh. Hey, can I get a ride? You, you can't, you can't see these finger motions, but they're funny. They're like finger puppets happening. Oh my gosh. After oh. she busts in the door, oh. they ha- <laughs> <laughs> I did it! Heather did it! She has my fingers! I take oh back god. everything I said! Oh my god. Heather has my fingers! No, it doesn't go all the way back. So after she busts in the door, they start fighting and wrecking Vernita's beautiful living room. All the glass. <laughs> Thank you. Why is everything... Everything that, she owns is glass. Was that just the early 2000s? Just everyone had glass furniture? My parents had a glass table. Oh, then yes. I mean, the answer so, yeah, is yes. I think, it's, I think it's a yes. I feel like my parents knew better that to never have a glass item around you? that I could break. <laughs> I did bang my head on the... F- on the table and gave myself a nosebleed. So, you know. <laughs> there you go. Like, I was just sitting there and I was like, eh. and then nosebleed. <laughs> oh my god. It's not like I ran into the Did table. Like, I was literally just sitting tell there. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Your sister Sarah it was beat Sarah. your head on the no, table. No, she wasn't around. <laughs> She's older than you. What do you mean I, she I, wasn't I, around? <laughs> no, I mean she wasn't around when that happened. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> Broken glass. Knife fight. So much. Uh, and then... Vernita's daughter and Nikki comes home and they stop fighting, thankfully. The bride is a little shocked to see that Vernita has a daughter since she got murdered for wanting the same thing. Well, attempted murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Then uh, when they kind of cool off and go into the kitchen. Sorry, which that. We have to assume then if Nikki, they ask her her age and she's four. 
Yeah. We know four years have passed. Yeah. So we have to assume that somewhere immediately after Vernita kills the bride. Attempts to kill. Attempts to kill Uma Thurman. Allegedly. <laughs> you know, they fucked up. They, they, they miscalculated. But we'd have to assume that either then and there or immediately afterwards, she got herself knocked up. She could have already been pregnant. You don't no, show right. until a couple months in. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying now. So it's like, so yeah. Bill just yeah. let her go? I'm assuming that was the deal. I'll let you go if you help me do this. Is it Bill's baby? That's oh, what I asked. <laughs> no. That's what I no. asked You see yeah. that beautiful little girl? No. That is not David <laughs> no. Carradine's child. Um, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Although, the little girl who plays BB is also just adorable. 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 Just adorable. And looks nothing like either no. of the no. quote-unquote parents. They're all sweet <laughs> angels. So they go into the kitchen, sorry. They go into the kitchen, and... Are we going to talk about the bleeping of her name? Uh, we can. <laughs> no, I'm just curious. That was the Okay, well, no, they, throughout almost the first movie, first movie they don't say your name. Mm-hmm. Even though you can see the mm-hmm. name being said, mm-hmm. but they made a decision to bleep it out. I, re- I remember, actually, I remember, okay, I, I didn't think I saw these movies in theaters, but I did. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing these movies in theaters with an, with an old friend, um, an old friend, Devin, and we actually thought that her name was a curse word. <laughs> Because oh. they bleeped it. Right. And, and so, you know, at the time, that's just what... Dumb teenagers young, would think. Yeah, I mean, considering I was 13, 14, whatever, when this mm-hmm. came out, we just assumed that, oh, they bleeped it, her name must be fuck. And so, and then, <laughs> yeah, so looking back on it, I'm like, God, that was really dumb. Why would you name a child fuck? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just something that point out. Um, They want to keep it it's because, great. yeah, because of, uh, Bill constantly refers to... Beatrix as kiddo, which is her last name, but he uses it, and even we noticed, even in the subtitles we had on, it was lowercase, like as, hey kiddo, it's let's like an, go to the a, park and like play, an you know? Yeah. Yeah. Of endearment. Yeah. Right, a nickname. nickname. Honey, uh, babe, kiddo. And so we don't find out until later that that's her name, so I think that mm-hmm. is the reason. They yeah, wanted to keep they it, to keep it a, for later, sure. just as a, okay. a little stupid reveal. Mm-hmm. Do you think, um... Had the movie been released in all of its four-hour glory, do you think that would have been changed? No. I think he still wanted wanted to keep it. I don't think they would have changed it because they made a big deal of Daryl Hannah's character saying her full name mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. second one, so... Or right. second part of the movie. Her, her, her volume two. Her volume number two. one enemy. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think so. So the bride and Vernita go into the kitchen. <laughs> For the third time. <laughs> For the third time. And... The bride is talking to her, and she basically says, the only way we're going to be square, and then she draws a box with three sides, and in the theater, when I saw it as a teenager, I have a memory of her drawing the dotted white line, because that also happens in Pulp Fiction with her as Mia Wallace. She's uh, telling uh, John Travolta's character something similar, and she's drawing a four-sided box, and there's a white dotted line. Yes, they, I am so glad that you mentioned that, because I seriously thought I'd been crazy all these years that I hallucinated this box no, being drawn. it was there, in the theater. Yeah, because now, like, I, I swear, now that movie only ever comes on TV, and I just assume, okay, mm-hmm. it's edited out for TV for whatever reason, because I can't draw a box on TV, but no, then I got the Blu-rays and the DVDs, and they're not on there either, but I distinctly remember mm-hmm. seeing a white dotted line, so oh. I'm really glad I know I'm not crazy. And we watched it on Netflix today, and it was the same. There's no dotted line mm-hmm. in this version of Kill Bill. I don't know what happened, like, I remember this happening in the theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not a big deal, but I liked it because it called back to Pulp Fiction, yeah. which she's also in, so... Mm-hmm. 
I just maybe that's why they did it. Maybe they didn't want it to be tied because the but same, it's supposed to be same character. Maybe or, not same character. Maybe because like Pulp Fiction is like not really wasn't really relevant at the time because it's an old movie. So for the kids watching Kill Bill, they won't know what that means. It's rated like, R. What kids? Like. You watched it when you were 13. Come on. Yeah, well, we, so, we didn't have restrictions. Um, well, no, because Pulp Fiction, I mean, even at the time, was kind of a, a hit. It made Miramax a lot of money. Well, it, it gave them a lot of prestige. I don't know about the money. It gave them a lot mm-hmm. of prestige at the time, mm-hmm. and it made them seem like this, you know, art house kind of production company. Right. Both are Miramax? Yes. I did not know they that. They were both wow. produced by uh, rapist scumbag Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Of course he would like well, these kind of movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, totally. Yeah. Anyway. In so, the kitchen. <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> they're basically shit talking each other. They say they're going to go meet, you know, at Base- a baseball field uh, at night dressed all in black and they're going to have a knife fight. And then Vernita turns the tables, pulls a uh, box of uh, fucking Captain Crunch, I don't know, out of the pantry, and... It's called Kaboom Cereal. Thank you, Kelly. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. Because... I, I saw it, and I flipped my shit, because I was like, hey! Because there's a gun in it. <laughs> Which, that makes it even funnier. Thank you. Do you, do you think the gun has, was in the cereal, or do you think she, like, was doing things and put it in there? It, no, was, in no. the it was in the cereal. It was up so in a this- high shelf that that child could not reach. And it was in there. So you think that Susie Homemaker just hid a gun from her husband in the She's an assassin. She's an, yeah. Yes. There's no way that she doesn't have yes. hidden guns throughout that entire house. Well, right. Okay, so to that point then, I'm just surprised during their earlier knife fight that they didn't, she wasn't just going on Mr. and Mrs. Smith on it and like pulling guns and shit off she of She might every, have. Yeah. But Nikki walked in. Okay. So, so there might have been more. Yeah. Then she said, Nikki, go upstairs. And then she took her into the kitchen. She didn't anticipate Nikki coming back downstairs. I don't think. So, because she had to make Nikki her cereal, right? So, uh, basically, the bride dodges, chucks a knife at her, stabs her right in the heart, and she's dead. Nikki sees the whole scene. She threw the cup first because she kicked the cup, yes. kicked yeah. Yeah. and it was cool, like oh, a distraction. Yeah, yeah, yep. And then Nikki comes down and sees her, and that'll kind of play into stuff we're going to talk about later about a potential third movie that's always kind of been rumored. So, moving on to chapter two, which is entitled "The Blood Spattered Bride." It's four years earlier, and this is right after the beginning of the movie, basically where the police are investigating uh, the massacre. And the sheriff, who we've talked about, Earl McGraw, figures out that the bride's alive, and she gets shipped off to the hospital. In the hospital, El Driver shows up in a boss-ass coat. Yes. I freaking love that coat. (laughs) I want it. In my closet. Oh, it's amazing. Wait, let's comment on the creepy-ass sheriff. Okay. Go, are, yeah. are we go- No, that's all I wrote down. Is creepy ass sheriff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Earl McGraw. Earl McGraw. Yeah. <laughs> He's just an old man who's I, seen some shit. I suppose. But I was just like, but careful. <laughs> she's a spitter. Oh. <laughs> oh. No. Yeah, because that comes back later in an even it worse does. context. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, so Elle is walking down the hallway, looking fly, whistling. With the iconic whistle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just the which, iconic whistle. Which Heather's boyfriend wants her to I make a, a ringtone, right? No, I have it as my ringtone. Oh. He, <laughs> he was just commenting on how I have it as my ringtone. It creeps Cares him out, out very much <laughs> whenever my phone goes off. Yeah, so so she she walks in in a, a bomb-ass coat and then proceeds to change into an 
old-timey candy striper nurse's uniform, which... Let's be real. She got that at the Spirit Halloween from 50% off. <laughs> the sexy nurse. Yes, yes. yes. exactly. Yes. Stockings and everything. Mm-hmm. As to which the nurses in the background are wearing fucking scrubs. <laughs> so Elle's just being an extra AF in this scene well, with mean, her little outfit that she has on and her little eye patch was, with the, with the say, cross. She changes her eye patch to match her outfit. Like, I mean... Is she gonna wear her black eye patch with her all-white outfit? Well, then at that point, just commit to a black nurse's uniform. No, no. Probably blend in more. The aesthetic is real, okay? Mm. She's, not, she's not playing. <laughs> so at the last moment... L aborts the mission. Before the injection. Yeah, before the injection, because she gets a call on her flip phone. Her flip phone! (laughs) Her big-ass brick of a phone that I will refer to as a flip phone, because the bottom part that you talk into does, in fact, flip. (laughs) Heather has a big problem with the description, and it's really funny. (laughs) It's not a flip phone! (laughs) Then what would you call it? A brick, <laughs> a brick that has that has an extension. <laughs> that could, but how do you how do you get that extension? You open it. It flips. It's an open it phone. <laughs> oh my gosh! <clears throat> so when uh, when Elle flips her phone open, she's got a call from Bill, and he basically orders her not to kill the bride. And you can tell that he is in charge of her because she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elle doesn't kill her. No, she doesn't, and she backs off. Well, she wants. She wants kudo points with her man, who's mm-hmm. now finally her man. <laughs> yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Basically. They're, uh, you can tell by that conversation they're officially together at this point, but yeah. mm-hmm. it's only been, I want to say, like, less than six months or something like that. Oh, yeah. That. She was probably just brought to the hospital, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and Elle was just there to finish up business. So, right. yeah, it, it, right. there's no way it had been any, it, it wasn't even a year. No. no way. Yeah, no way. So, after that scene... The bride wakes up, she's been in a coma for four years, mm-hmm. and she realizes she's no longer pregnant. And that scene where she's, like, screaming and crying about it is just heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And however, she discovers that it's been four years by looking at her fucking hands. Hand. <laughs> well, she goes, looks? Four years. <laughs> that, that was Heather holding her hands up in front of her face, by the way. Um, no, that that's another one um, where I, I remember... Is that something they teach in assassin school? Maybe. (laughs) Jaime taught it to her, okay? It's possible. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's another thing, though, that I I remember, and again, it must have been when I saw it in theater, this was the first time, when she did it, when she holds her hands, I'm like, what does she do? Like, I did not understand how looking at her hands, and then I, like, realized, like, oh. She's counting the lines on her hands. The lines on your hands, and then I, immediately afterwards, I was like, I want to learn how to palm read, and then (laughs) I'm like, that's that's too hard. (laughs) Is she a tree? Are you counting the rings in her The rings are (laughs) out. I mean, aren't, aren't, that's what people are when it comes down to it. Aren't we just trees? I'm five, apparently. So. <laughs> I'm five. You're not counting the right ones. I don't know. That's an eyelash right there. So let's move that. All right. And then we come back to the line where uh, she's a spitter because uh, creepy rapist trucker and oh my God. Buck walk into the room. That's probably... Last episode, we talked about there being some kind of cringy stuff in this movie, and that's probably the worst scene for me. Uh, yeah. yeah. Buck, Buck being her, um, being a nurse, being a, a night nurse, I, I'm assuming a nurse or an orderly, I'm not really sure. Yeah, he was some sort hospital of hospital worker. He was yeah. wearing the scrubs. I've always assumed he was a nurse, although 
uh, someone who works in HR, how he got hired and continued to work at this hospital, I have no idea. Well, he has a tattoo on his knuckles that says, fuck, is that appropriate, HR woman? Absolutely not appropriate at all. He would literally have to wear Band-Aids over every single one of those letters. You cannot. <laughs> gloves. I mean, he wear gloves, but I mean, I feel like if I had a nurse or orderly or whatever he is coming up to me with fingerless gloves, I would just be like, why are you in my room? <laughs> Although, granted, though, someone coming in with fuck on their hands into my room, I'm still like, what are you doing here? So, no, not, not HR appropriate. So, so that leads us to, there's a line that Buck says that we've seen when it's played on TV, that they dub out the word fuck. And the line is, my name is Buck and I'm here to fuck. But on TV, it's, my My name name is Buck Buck, and I'm here to party. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the funniest shit that I've ever heard in my life. It's one of those things where, you know, when you've seen the movie, you know the movie, you put it on in the background while you're doing stuff, and then all of a sudden you just hear... Party. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck was that? But it's not only the word, right? It's not no. only the word. Mm-hmm. They He has a keychain. He has a truck. <laughs> and a truck that say pussy wagon. But they edited it out to say party, party wagon, wagon on both the keychain and the truck. So it's fabulous. Keep, keeping it classy. Keeping it classy. Yes. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. But don't they keep, like, the license plate as PSY? The license plate, yes, yeah, still says, um, so the, the, truck bed or the truck door it's, it, or yes that, that, truck, yeah. yeah the back of the truck in big pink 70s letters says party wagon in this edited version but the license plate still says p-s-y-w-g-n so the license plate still says quote-unquote pussy wagon right, right. <laughs> so what you would think editing giant letter pink squirrely letters would be harder than editing tiny little license what plates. is the license plate again Pussy wagon. P S Y W G N. Okay. Well, I feel like if the S wasn't there, they could it could possibly still be party wagon, if they just like made it a T. But P T wagon, like P T Y W G N. Yeah. P T wagon. Yeah. But they didn't. I see you P. Oh my god. Basically, we're saying they're lazy. Right. Yeah. I mean. But it's fine because no, it's hilarious. They did what they could. Mm-hmm. So the next chapter. Uh, title screen comes up called The Origin of Oren after that. And basically, she hauls herself into the pussy wagon and says, I have got to get my legs working. They have uh, died on me. <laughs> Heather. Atrophy. <laughs> is the correct word. Is the correct word. And I swear she says, pull my limbs out of entropy, which could be a, just a choice he decided to make. But, I mean, her legs were in atrophy, so it's like... <laughs> just her legs. Just... That's a different topic. We're just gonna blaze Don't over. Don't worry about it. That's fine. Not her arms, basically. Not her arms, <laughs> yeah. And, well, yeah, so it's just... I mean, I don't, I don't know why they chose. And maybe I was... I'm pretty sure I didn't hear it wrong, but I was just like, hold on a minute. We'll just pretend that we heard atrophy. And just, it, it, the, the it's term, fine. The term we wanted to hear that it should be, and we'll yeah. just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at this point, uh, Oren is the leader of the Yakuza, and she's actually a Japanese, uh, Chinese, American, so the fact that she has this position is due probably exclusively to Bill. Mm-hmm. And Oren's parents, uh, when she was a child, were murdered by the Yakuza in this super this is violent, rad anime sequence. Anime sequence, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, which is the only animated sequence of the movie. Um, Both but movies. I think... Right, but I think it was appropriate, since it was for, you know, a a Japanese character, to put it in Mm -hmm. a style uh, from Japan. Yeah, it's really cool. 
And so basically, she vows revenge as a young child, and she gets revenge on the Yakuza boss who killed her parents a Oren couple does. years later. Yep. This, Oren. Is, this is Oren now getting revenge. Yep. Yep. In the past. Yep. Oren does, and after that, she just becomes an assassin. Yeah, and also on that point, Oren is the only one of the assassin squad that gets a full backstory. Yeah. Because we don't know about anyone else, nope. but with that whole anime scene, mm-hmm. we get her backstory and then we don't get anyone else's. So nope. I don't know why particularly her, but... Well, isn't it because weren't they really close? Like, I they're so. best friends? Kind of what we why? talked about in the beginning. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I could... She meant the most to right. the bride, who is our main character. I could see that, but... Yeah. Yeah, and also I was wondering if maybe it was because she became an assassin before she met Bill. Mm. And maybe the rest of them became assassins kind of for Bill. And right. And so, like, we get to see kind of how these... she, he picked her yeah. up yeah. instead of, like, forming her into what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Kind of how I think I almost seems like the rest of them were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so into that, like, it could be um, kind of like what you said and kind of like what I said, where, you know, maybe she's the second most deadliest woman in the world, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. second to Beatrix, so therefore she gets a bigger backstory because she... Right. Clearly she was the more. deadliest woman in the world at one point, right? Don't they say that? Or deadliest assassin? She said she. They said she was one of the top assassins. Oh, okay. female yeah. assassins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So oh, she was up there. Ooh, female assassins. They, they, quali- gotta... they qualified. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> can't just be assassins. <laughs> okay. It, it can't. In fact, chop that dude's head off. But whatever. <laughs> it can't. Uh, and then chapter four goes on from there. It's called the Man from Okinawa, and that focuses on. Legendary uh, swordsmith Hattori Hanzo, which he's used in tons and tons of manga and anime and uh, modern and Warring States era dramas as a main character because he's just super famous. Mm-hmm. He's well known. No, I was just gonna bring up. I I love um, Beatrix when she goes when she's to the airport. I just like I like the line Okinawa one way because. <laughs> One way or another, yeah. she was going to get what she wanted. Well, she's there for a month. She's right. there to get Hattori Hanzo but to right. make her a sword, and she knows she's going to have and, to stay a while. And she wasn't leaving. Nope. Until, until well, she got her sword. Exactly. So I just, I just love the line. I like the mm-hmm. way Okinawa, one way. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. love the way it's delivered. Because, I mean, she didn't know if he w- would decide. Right. Cause, right. So she was going to persist, well, no matter yeah. how long it took. The way she got him to do it is she says... I'm after one of your former students, you know the one, and he writes Bill on the window, and he's like, let's go, I'm making you a sword. Yeah, yeah. Most likely, we're kind of led to believe Bill's probably a big reason why he stopped making swords. I'm, I assume he is the reason. Yeah. Right? There was some kind of betrayal there. He, well, he just provided him with all of these weapons of mm-hmm. Master Struck, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's just like, yeah, I did bad things, gave pe- bad people sharp objects. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd also like to point out, when Beatrix is on the plane, she has a samurai sword in her possession. In view. In view. Just hanging out with it. Uh, the people, you know, next to her also have a sword just hanging out with it, you know, uh, when she's going to kill Oren uh, later on. And I actually have a replica of the bride's sword, and we're going to Japan in a month now. I'm like, can, can I bring that and, as a carry-on? And we have told, we've told Alicia that, no, you cannot. No, but I want to. <laughs> TSA will not let you through with it. But I have my bride jacket and everything. <laughs> the bride jacket, sure. Wear that. Uh, Go, we'll give you a foam, foam sword. Get you a foam sword. They would probably still tackle my ass to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd be missing my own trip. <laughs> and missing your foam sword. Yeah, all sad. <laughs> so from there we go to chapter five. It's the showdown at the House of Blue Leaves. And this is a legit restaurant in Tokyo that we are trying to get reservation for, by the way, for dinner. Trying. It's trying so hard. Hopefully they email me back. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, 
But that's where Oren is hanging out. Her and her crew just kind of invade the place. And this, this probably, this chapter is probably, uh, my opinion, I would think is the most iconic. I for think, sure. For the entire movie. The entire, probably both movies, actually. I and mean, Well, mm-hmm. the whole movie, both volumes, <laughs> this is probably the one people know, people reference. It's actually my favorite scene in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole, like, fighting scene. Oh, it's yeah. Like, it's the shit. It's beautiful. It's so awesome. It's absolutely yeah. gorgeous to watch. It's just... That choreography is oh, insane. Oh, right? Oh, I love it so much. So, another thing we kind of noticed, Ashley picked up on, is she passes by this advertisement. Beatrix, when she's um, getting off the plane, uh, walking through the airport. It's Sophie, right? On the billboard? I know. Oh, is it? Oh. I think it's, it's Sophie, Julie Dreyfus. I think it's Julie Dreyfus on the billboard. Yes. I was gonna say that, and we didn't get. Because I was to talk like, because oh. I was like, oh, it's Sophie, like in my head. Yeah, and then maybe the woman, the woman in the picture looks like Sophie. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty the, positive it is. I think it is too. Huh? Um, Just as like a, but the advert model. Uh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe that is what she's she gorgeous. Also Why not? Does I yeah. mean? Um, but the advertisement is for uh, red apple cigarettes. Um, which another is another one of those things that uh, is used a lot in Tarantino films, Kill Bill, Pulp Fiction, Hateful Eight. Um, it also, again, Robert Rodriguez's Dust Till Dawn. Uh, so that's another kind of little Easter egg, I guess, mm-hmm. throughout um, some yeah. of, if not most, of the yeah. Tarantino movies is the Red Apple Cigarettes. Yeah, in her yellow jumpsuit that she's wearing, I actually have a cosplay of that. Um, I was her in that outfit for a couple conventions. Mm-hmm. Ashley was a crazy, crazy, crazy 88. It was and... easy. I had long hair. All I had to do was <laughs> straighten it and wear a Kato mask and a suit. It was great. It was fun. <laughs> and uh, a friend of ours who's a nurse, she was L as Nurse L from that awesome whistle scene that we love. <laughs> in the outdated nurse's uniform, but it's okay. <laughs> it's so cute, though. It was very cute. It was very cute on, on Sarah as well. <laughs> and then... The yellow jumpsuit, which Kelly was pointing out earlier. Oh, um, it's actually um, a homage to Bruce Lee in his one of his movies. A Game of Death, uh, which he passed away before they finished making that movie. So it didn't get finished until, like, I think they were filming it in 72, he passed in 73, and then 78 they finished filming it with, uh, like, body doubles and stuff and mm-hmm. released oh, it. Cool. Yeah, I think I did yeah. know that. Okay, continue. It's creepy? What? Yeah, I'll get to that when it's my turn for my first movie. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. But well, I, I think I did know that that was kind of a homage to uh, Bruce Lee. Yeah. So. It makes sense. It's I mean, it's pretty arts. iconic. Well, yeah. his suit is What is more icon- iconic yeah. than that <laughs> yellow exactly, tracksuit so. from Game of Death? Like, yeah. holy cow. Um, and then uh, somebody else uh, in that movie, uh, sorry, somebody else in Kill Bill that we always notice is Gogo. Because... Oh. Go was one of my favorite characters in the whole thing, just because mm-hmm. I tend to like the psychopaths. So <laughs> don't we all? I really, really enjoy it. Well, and I enjoy it when they don't shy away from the fact that they're psychopaths. Mm-hmm. As I write, go go, you crazy bitch. <laughs> in my notes. I, I mean, come on, you're you're the second hand or the the top bodyguard for the you know queen of the yakuza, and you still walk around wearing your schoolgirl uniform. I mean, like, what kind of power play is that? Um, well, she's 17. Yeah. Yeah. So. Exactly. I'm just like, you don't, like, keep an extra change of clothes in your back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's uh, played by uh, Gogo, the character Gogo is played by Chiaki Kuriyama, um, who I also love in 2000's Battle Royale, um, which she plays one of the kids that gets, you know, the collar strapped to her neck and all they all have to kill each other, which if you have not seen Battle Royale, it is a movie I highly recommend that you watch. And it was a big inspiration for Tarantino. So he's commented in the past that it's, mm-hmm. like, the best movie he'd seen in, you know, decades or something like that. I, I saw a quote the other day about it. Um, and 
I'm pretty sure that's why he cast her in the movie because Pro- he just loved her so much in the probably. In I mean, Battle she, Royale. She didn't get a lot to do no. in Battle Royale, unfortunately, but she still did really well, and yeah. she does a couple of other um, TV TV movies and stuff. I was I I was looking up on her page earlier today, but her as Coco is great. And if you don't know what Battle Royale is, mm-hmm. it's the original Hunger Games, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on steroids. It's bananas. I mean, that's so, true. Yeah. I mean, it is. Like, yeah. these Japanese school children get uh, this class, gets picked, and they have to go to this island or some so, kind of fortress. Yeah, it, it's it's every, it's yearly. They do it right. every year. It's for population control. Right. The government picks at random a class from a high school, and it could be any grade. They just, I don't know. Hunger Games, pick it out of a fishbowl. Could you imagine if it was kindergartners? <laughs> just cry, but um, they yeah. just throw sticks and rocks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, little kids are worse than middle school. Hey, kids. Lord of the so, Flies. Well, yeah. and, hey, and sometimes sticks and rocks are what you get as your weapon. Yeah. So the uh, class gets picked. They airdrop them all onto an island. Everyone gets a map, and they get one random weapon, which mm-hmm. it could be something like an Uzi, or it could be, like, a pot lid, you know? You mm-hmm. kind of you yeah. don't know what you're going to get until you get outside the room, and then you pretty much have... I think it's time they have to kill each other. Well, well the the zones start going dead, and then stuff. Something like that. I haven't watched it in a bit. Yeah, yeah so ba- like basically it's a you kill all of your classmates, and there's one sole survivor, and that's how they... Do population control. It's probably some form of, you know, entertainment, I'm sure, for Isn't it a book as well? Yeah. Well, it was a book first. Right. It exactly. was a book. They also did make a, a manga out of it, which I yeah. did not read because I, didn't the, I I tried to, but the characters were really different, and oh. I liked the movie too much to kind of, it, it, it clouded my... Right. Yeah. So I, I couldn't really do it. But. Usually it's the book is better, but uh, <laughs> in the case of the Battle Royale movie, it's pretty the amazing. so good. I mean, the yeah. two main characters are, like, super naive as hell, but... It's adorable. Well, so. that's what makes it. It's good. fine. Anyway, back in. <laughs> <laughs> back to this other movie we're talking about. So, uh, Beatrix basically starts kicking ass and taking names and murdering her way through the crazy 88, which we don't actually know if it's 88. It's, it's not. Some. I, my, my mom and I watched yeah. it on one of those random occasions where my mom and I watched a movie together. And we counted. We, we counted. Oh. oh, nice. Okay, we, we counted. I, I cannot. Did you pause it and just like count it? Well, because it's one of those instances where it's a fight scene where pretty much she strikes somebody and they go down. So right. pretty much every person that she hit, unless we physically could see them like struggle and get mm-hmm. back up, you know. So we kind of counted everyone that she hit, and mm-hmm. it. I think it was. It was close. I think it was maybe in the 60s or 70s. Okay. So... It seemed like a lot of 20 people. of them had the day off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, right. So, well, I mean, what is it? Bill even says to Bud that yeah. they don't know why they call themselves that. It just sounds because he, cool. Because it sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. And that's so, a good enough reason for anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, hey, the scene itself, you would believe there's 88 people mm-hmm. there unless you're crazy and you watch it and you count. Yeah, mm-hmm. basically. So when she does finally get Oren on her own... After after mowing down the crazy eighty eight, go go Mo Johnny Mo and Johnny Mo, <laughs> yes, our, our one of our faves Johnny Mo. He'll come back, that actor. So she finally corners Oren. They're in this like amazing Japanese garden that I'm absolutely sure is not connected to the restaurant. Oh, and uh, and they kind of start having a back and forth. So I'm saying it's not really a corners her. I think Oren was waiting for her. <laughs> I think Oren expected you know 
I don't know if she expected the bride to go down, but I think Hoping. she kind of, yeah, she kind of uh, makes fun of her for being hurt and all that. So I think she thought she'd be a little more hurt than she was. Well, I was probably hoping that after four years, she'd be out of practice, which I, I think all of the deadly Viper assassination people were hoping she would be out of practice and clearly. Well, mm-hmm. the problem is she had a month to practice with Hattori Hanzo. Right. So. <laughs> the problem. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. You're gonna die. But I mean, even she sliced the baseball in half when he threw it, so I mean. Wasn't that rusty? She wasn't uh, that, yeah, she wasn't that rusty, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's probably a reflex thing, you know. Yeah. To her, it was like just yesterday and then she was in a coma, so. Yeah. It's just reteaching her body, body how to move that way. Right, mm-hmm. sure. So, yeah, so I, I agree with you. I could see where mm-hmm. Oren maybe was kind of hoping that she'd be a right, little, you right. know, flabby around the gut, and she, she wasn't. was not. Well, because she makes fun of her at first, um, and they, they go back and forth, and they have this inside joke, Silly Rabbit, Trickster for Kids, and we find out later, of course, her name is Beatrix Kiddo, so it's mm-hmm. it's an inside joke between them, which is what leads me to believe that they're closer than anybody else. But near the end, uh, Oren apologizes for making fun of the bride, and the bride accepts. And they're like, let's, we gotta do what women do, and then... Hold on. What? I didn't realize that that's what she was apologizing for. What? What? That inside joke? Is that, a, is that, oh, no, was no, that no. her mocking yeah. her? No, no, no. She, was, she, she literally says, silly Caucasian girl with yeah, a sword. Okay, like, no, that's what I thought, yeah. but I thought but you were But then also, to, I think okay. she was also apologizing for her part in the assassination yeah. attempt. Well, yes. I think she was, it was a blanket apology mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah. 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 You know? Well, you know, they only have so, I think they both realize that their time together is limited, so right. Bowen probably wanted to get as many sorries out as possible, and so one mm-hmm. blanket, I'm sorry. Right. Way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of that thing where, like, you're in a fight with your friend, and you don't want to apologize for the thing you sh- know you should, because you still feel like, maybe I wasn't totally in the wrong. Yeah. But you apologize for the other thing. That's the Band-Aid thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's how it always came off to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and also she seemed the most sincere out of everyone who apologizes to her. Oren? Oren. Which may right. lead to the whole thing about yeah. them being closer than the others. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. So. Yep. Do you think that has to do with another... This is no offense to Daryl Hannah whatsoever, but she is older. Do you think that has a fact to do with maybe Beatrix and Oren just were similar in age? Age? Or, yeah, probably. You know, they were the, yeah. they were the kids, or, or well, and Oren may not have been romantically involved with Bill, whereas Elle definitely was. Mm. So there was that jealousy angle that I don't. Maybe that wasn't part of their friendship. Right. Well, I just mean in general. Or yeah. I, I wonder. Whatever. I wonder what they. Cause I, I like the the theory or the headcanon that they were closer. I, um, Oren and, and Beatrix. I do like it. I just you know it makes you kind of wonder like why like what what drew them together kind of a thing. You know that's mm-hmm. the backstory I want to see animated. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean Ashley loves Ohana more than anything I in the world. Love she Ohana. loves family, found family, found family in particular. Honestly, I would watch a movie on how they all became the deadly like the viper. deadly viper. That would be cool. Yeah, give us like, give us a prequel. How, yeah, how, how they how they all became uh, the um, how they all became the not you Quentin, George Lucas Quentin Tarantino oh if you're listening to this <laughs> how they all became the divas. Yes, yes, the acronym Deadly Viper Assassination Squad Divas. Are they really? There? Yes, yes. We'll get we'll get to that later when we talk about how it relates to Pulp Fiction more. Where does the I come from? 
Let us have our stupid acronym. It's great. <laughs> but it makes it easier than saying Deadly Viper. Not that it's not fun yeah, to say. It is. It is. Simultaneously the dumbest and most fun thing to say ever. Like I, most I things it. in this movie. So, uh, yeah, she's fighting Oren, and it comes down to the final move. Beatrix chops her scalp off. Wig snatched. <laughs> wig thrown. Her wig went flying. Wig, 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 wig gone. Uh, brain f- flops out of her head. <laughs> Which I have to say, too, when you see Which her... actually see I you, you hear it. it. I was Do you so really? Sad. You hear it. You hear it. Like a th- it goes thump, flop. You kind of hear it. Yeah, it flops out of her head. That's me gagging. But, <laughs> but I will say, though, like, when you see the top of her hair, hair or... I guess at the time, you just see her hair. You don't know what's the top of her head yet. Yeah. But you see her hair go flying. That's a lot of hair to have on just the top of your head. Well, she had it in, like, the little bun thing, so maybe... But, but she still had all this hanging I, down. I agree. I was like... She had some thick-ass hair, and I'm jealous. <laughs> After that, the bride shows up and has a uh, <laughs> crazy moment with Sophie, and she basically well, tortures her and threatens her uh, to leave her as kind of a, a symbol for Bill... Well, well first, first she collects, tells all the people who happened to survive, the 88s, who happened to survive her little, her own personal little massacre. She, you know, keeps all of their body parts. That's that's before she goes to fight Oren. Uh, but yes. But yeah, you're right. She does do that. Your body parts are mine. Except you, Sophie. Yeah. <laughs> you stay right where, where you, you are. are. <laughs> I just wanted to, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there are... When she's sitting in the wheelchair and Bill's behind her, of course we have not seen Bill. Well, Sophie. To Sophie sitting in the... I'm sorry. Yes. What okay. did I say? No one. You no said one? she. Oh, well, we were talking about Sophie. Well, Sophie is sitting in the wheelchair in the hospital and Bill's behind her and they're talking. She has burn marks on her face. I did say torture, didn't I? <laughs> but did, yeah. she, she she threatens to cut off limbs, not burn... I think she did more than that. I think she did multiple things. It's just... In something that she says, I think she cut off her other arm. I think she's missing both arms. In the the version where they're mashed together, the whole bloody affair, her other arm does get cut off on camera. Because there's a a line... I can't remember if Sophie said it or Bill said it when he's talking to her. There's a line that says about your other arm or something like that. And, you know, you... Like Heather said, you only kind of see Sophie's just kind of collarbone yeah. up so you don't know but I don't think she has either of her arms well, I cut that too yeah well the bride just says I'm gonna start cutting things off and they will be things you'll miss so I yes. think it's probably likely yeah, that so she, she cut her other arm off so she just has no arms now yeah well, and I and I kind of almost was thinking back to how it, she is I'm pretty positive it's her on that billboard, billboard. and I was like, oh, did she make her not beautiful anymore? Is that oh. the reason why she did that? To her face. To her face. I like that. And so, like, I was watching it and I was like, because they're, oh, he's like, oh, my beautiful Sophie. Right. <gasps> and she, now she has, like, she's kind of, she's disfigured now. Mm-hmm. So not it's kind of like. Anymore. And yeah. I was wondering if that's almost kind of like a. I hope it's true because that would be cool. That's awesome. I <laughs> oh, never thought about yeah, that. Yes, and I was, yeah, so it's just something that I would, it kind of popped in my head mm-hmm. and I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's yeah. kind of. Is she doing that because, like, she still loves Bill and she wants, kiddo wants to be you, the most beautiful in, uh, in Bill's eye? Well, I think it was torture. I, I, I think it was torture, but, I mean. I, I don't know about that. 
I, that's I, I that's think, a far-fetched one, I think more, but I definitely do think that... I think of her in terms of, like, what we would say for, like, murder stuff as a family annihilator, mm-hmm. and she just wants to come in and wipe out his family yeah. as a way no. to punish him for wiping her family out. Yeah. That's what I think. I don't know. I, I do definitely think that's interesting, though. Like, maybe not from a revenge standpoint, but that would be... Since you explicitly see her, Beatrix walk by the poster, so it would, and, or and the it, billboard, so yeah. it would be interesting if she, out the corner of her eyes, like... Hey, yeah. that's Sophie, and then in mm-hmm. hind or maybe going to you know jump forward when she's torturing her. It's like you know what, fuck you, yeah. mm-hmm. stab stab with cigarettes. Do you want to break for a second? So the good old um, Wikipedia search. Thank you, Wikipedia. Donate money to Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> it, the the billboard is uh, Julie Dreyfus, uh, who plays Sophie Fattel uh, in the movie. Uh, modeling the red apple cigarette products, as we had mentioned, red apple cigarettes, as we had mentioned earlier, um, it is her in that billboard. So cool. I, I think Heather's theory confirmed. Theory <laughs> head cannon, whatever you want to call it, I love it. So I, I fully, it's going to be one of my head cannons now that she disfigured her face on purpose. That's your too. new favorite scene of the movie. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I that well, like little underhanded things that you don't. As an audience member, again, you don't think about it, and then you dive a layer deeper, Keep and it's like, it, yeah. ooh. Good catch, Heather. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you. for uh, Googling that for us, Ashley. You're welcome. <laughs> we had to I, know. I needed to know, and now I know. Now it's another fun fact tidbit I can throw in at parties. We have to validate <laughs> uh, our neuroses, you know. We have to validate our headcanons. So yeah. They're all, so they're just canon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so basically after she finishes torturing Sophie, she leaves her for Bill to find, and uh, that whole scene ends with him dropping the cliffhanger that the bride's daughter is alive. Volume 2 opens, and I actually really love the opening, it's the bride directly addressing the audience. The camera. Mm-hmm. And it's super cool. The whole aesthetic. Oh, I love the intro. Uh, it was my, actually my first time seeing Volume 2 ever, and I... Got a very noir vibe from it, and it, it was so cool. I, I enjoyed it. It spoke to you. It spoke to me. It really did. She spoke to you. She did speak to me. <laughs> I as the audience. And in her speech, she actually does quote the name of the movie. She does. She says, <laughs> I, thing. I am gonna kill Bill, which, you know, of course, is just one of those things in the movie go where you're like, she said it! She yep. did it! Yep. They did the thing! <laughs> yep. And it makes you very happy. And Kelly and I are huge fans of Revenge Rampages, and in her speech, she also says... It's what the movie advertisements refer to as a roaring rampage of revenge. And I just love that she just calls the, the trope out as it is. <laughs> yep. Do you think that's where you got it from? You got this whole saying? Oh, I'm sure. This whole saying of revenge rampage that you just love to say about things? Well, they also say it in Archer all the time. Oh. Rampage! Yeah, yeah. So there's that too. But no, this would have been it as my 13-year-old I, self. Yeah, I like to think that this was subconsciously mm-hmm. planted into mm-hmm. your head and that, that mm-hmm. it was this movie that did it. And if it anyone ever wronged me, I'd go get a samurai sword, you know? You have one now. <laughs> I do. And several lightsabers. Um, so after... The super cool opening, we go to chapter six. It picks up after chapter five from the previous uh, film. And this one is entitled The Massacre at Two Pines. This is the wedding rehearsal between the bride and Tawny Plimpton and their friends. So this is essentially it's a flashback. Yeah, yeah. And it's all in black and white still, mm-hmm. uh, which was really cool. I, I like the vibe of it because it's very Western. Bill shows up with the Deadly Vipers in tow and they have kind of this tense conversation. He knows the whole time that his bros are outside right. ready to bushwhack this entire group of people. Bushwhack. And 
Boozled. I'm, I'm sorry, is this another round robin situation? <laughs> no one knows what the word is. <laughs> hearing it in context is just... And, and the bride, for a moment there, I think, has some hope that he's just here to see her and he's going to leave peacefully. They have some banter, kind of the old times. Uh, but no, he's not here for that. But I think uh, Kelly's getting some serious crow vibes in this church. Yeah, just that scene in general. It was just very suspenseful, I would say. Ten, you, tense. Tense, yeah, because you know what he's going to do, and she's she seems so naive towards him. Right, like, still. I just, I, yeah, I'm just like, don't you know? Like, Do you think part of that, though, is just her slipping into that Arlene persona, though? I mean, she's had... Maybe. She's had some time now mm-hmm, where she's kind mm-hmm. of... Well, and, and he brings it up later about there's Beatrix and then there's Arlene, and she was planning to live her life as Arlene. So I, I know it hasn't... She's still pregnant, obviously, so it hasn't been that long that she has had to separate her mm-hmm. two now personas. Right. But do you think part of the naivety? I don't naivete. Know, I, naivete. Naivete. Do you think part of that could be that's still her Arlene persona that she's been putting on for, well, let's say, four months? She's been putting on this Arlene persona is still kind of there. Yeah, maybe. But because he came at her soft and not hard, yeah. like he, yeah. didn't, he, he came at her differently Talking. than maybe she thought he might have. He maybe she expected him to just start shooting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But because of the way he approached her, I think that also lended to that. Yeah, and it's a good way to kind of, like, reel her in, too. Like, right. to make her drop her guard, I guess. Lure mm-hmm. her into false insecurity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he keeps referring to her as kiddo, the old nickname he's always mm-hmm. referred to her as. Mm-hmm. Term- Terms of mm-hmm. endearment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is her last name. And uh, But he's always called her that. So mm-hmm. I think that kind of set her at ease. Um, Although the super awkward scene. Oh my god. When <laughs> So of course, you know, there's she brings him inside into the church. Mistake number one. Yeah. Mistake number one. <laughs> her her husband to be, her groom, Tommy, comes up to, you know, chat with them as well, and she refers to Bill as dad. This is my dad, which I understand that's kind of a throw at the fact of the fact he's probably twice her age. So of course, you know, mm-hmm. if you are talking to some older gentleman. It's, it's an easy fallback to say, this is who that is. Mm-hmm. But, like, I feel like that probably was rubbing salt into the wound for Bill. So that maybe was a trigger? The final, oh, yeah. like, okay, I brought my people, and now it's just going down. I, I think for sure. I mean, I, I don't think he was going to let her live at all. Maybe any of them live. But I do think that maybe that's what got him to his most masochistic mm. was yeah. the fact that she called him dad. Right. Because <laughs> that's just... Downplayed their whole relationship. Oh, yeah. Right. It, it totally... Well, and then it brings up then Tommy's line of, you know, oh, why don't you give her away? Which, yeah, okay. That but, also was not a good thing to say to him. That's asking a lot, is what Bill says. So so why even uh, go with the lie at all right. that you, he's her father? I just feel like that was just big mistake. He did, I, he did go along with it for a hot second there. He did. And then he strolled back out. <laughs> uh, and everyone died. Spoilers. Including Sam Jackson, who has a mm-hmm. five second uh, little cameo, cameo and is super charismatic in his five second Rufus. Uh, Rufus piano player cameo. Okay, and then we move on to chapter seven, which is The Lonely Grave of Paula Schultz. That's probably, that's probably my favorite chapter title. Yeah? Honestly. Well, because it's so random and innocuous. Like, mm-hmm. if you just hear that, it's like... You don't know what's gonna well, happen? Because you don't know who Paula Scholes is at all. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not even, like, a person. At mm-hmm. least the... Well, I mean, she was a person. But at least the other ones refer to things. That's just Paula Scholes. That could have been anybody's name. That could have been said, the lonely grave of, yeah. you know, Alicia. You... Hey! I just, I just love that one. <laughs> that's probably my favorite chapter title. So, at this point, we're, we're back into, um... 
kind of the present. So the bride has assassinated Oren and Vanita Green, and she's on the way to Bud's house. And uh, again, Bud is Bill's brother. And she's going to try to ambush him at his trailer. Bud is not having a good life. He's a bouncer <laughs> at a titty bar, and uh, his boss shit talks him at all moments of the day. And, and then he cleans shit off the floor in the bathrooms. <laughs> There's a lot of shit going on in Bud's life. <laughs> but she doesn't ambush him. He knows that she's coming, and he shoots her in the chest with a bunch of rock salt and, and then sedates her. Well, I'll say it, and, um, and he knows partially that she's coming because Bill does show up to warn him, which is yeah, which is when sure. you, which is when you find out that they're brothers is in that talk scene. Is it in the first movie? Because there's not I, a whole lot from Bud. I don't think he gets referred to as brother. Okay, but then in that, it's not the opening scene of, of Volume Two, but mm-hmm. it's before this where Bill comes to Bud's trailer to to warn him. As loafish as Bud is, I have to hope that he kind of was a little bit on high alert after that, even though he acted super nonchalant about the whole ordeal. Yeah, well, I mean, I think he's playing lonely drunk on purpose, because the dude is still a deadly viper. He Un- is under- an assassin. Underestimate him. You know, Vernita's got her gun in the in the cereal, cereal box, mm-hmm. and he's got his shotgun. Yeah. So, I think he thought maybe she was... She was going to underestimate him mm-hmm. and just come at him direct, which is what she did. What she did. Uh, we see Bud in the first one, right? For at a the second. End of the first one, when he, he says the he whole. He starts his speech about her getting her revenge. Or yeah. deser- them like deserving... they deserve to die. That, but woman, so does she. that woman deserves her revenge and we deserve to die. And then in the second movie, he continues, but so does she. Because right. okay. she they're all bad people. Deserves, right. Yeah. right. So yeah, so he does have that line. We, so but we, at that point, we do not know that that who is. he is, right? We just yeah. know he's part of the thing. Right. So then he sedates her after he pumps her tits full of rock salt, and <laughs> and he calls Elle to basically sell the bride's new Hattori Hanzo sword to her, and of course Elle accepts, because she wants that prize she for never herself. Had, well, she never had one, too. It sounds no. like that she never got a fancy sword. And the fact that it's going to be Beatrix's is like mm-hmm. icing on the cake, I think. Yeah. So he enlists Bud enlists. A, a bro mm-hmm. uh, to bury the bride alive. My worst fucking fear ever <laughs> is being buried alive. Kelly's not a fan of that. Not a fan. <laughs> it's 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 top like needles buried alive. Mm-mm. They they're top contenders. Don't do it. It's the worst. <laughs> to be fair, I don't know if anybody likes being buried alive aside from like magicians. <laughs> That's fair. That's true. David Blaine. <laughs> Stop Stop David, David Blaine. Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> ah, thank you. <laughs> Are you yes. not gonna comment on the flip phone? Oh. <laughs> We're back to the flip phone conversation. I see the see the bullet now. At least that one's a real flip phone. Wait, wait, hold on. Yeah, no. So Bud calls her though, calls L to tell her about the sword thing on a flip phone. It's been four years, so he is upgraded from the brick flip phone, and now it's a real flip phone. But he didn't have a brick flip phone. <laughs> L had a brick foot. Fl- fl- well, not a flip phone, <laughs> but. And I also, I feel like that was like a burner so far. <laughs> it probably was a burner. Well, considering that he called her and she thought it was Bill, which was weird. Well, they might have had a similar number. I don't think they might not have had caller ID back then. Well, that's why I'm wondering if they're all burner phones. So probably. she was she was just yeah. getting a phone call from a number, and the only person who ever calls yeah. her is Bill. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed the the four year time jump from a brick phone to a. Real flip phone. Right. It's like real life. <laughs> and and probably not the only thing that really dates these movies. 
are the phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing Ashley hates is Bud's razor blade necklace. Oh my god! <laughs> I hate his necklace. He dresses like a Texan man, lives in California, dresses like a bowler, but wears accessories like he shops at Hot Topic. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't know what aesthetic he's going for. Uh, let him live his best life. It's fine. We already have talked about his shit. He's not living his best <laughs> life. I'm just saying that. Maybe step one is to get rid of the emo okay. razor blade necklace. Maybe the necklace? Call for help. Is it a metaphor? Call yeah. for hope. You know? You never know. It's just a metaphor. <laughs> He's out chasing metaphors. <laughs> <sighs> so after the phone call's made, uh, chapter eight starts. It's the cruel tutelage of Paime. And this is where the bride has been this buried alive. And she's basically, oh my God, how am I going to get out of here? And she recalls this story that Bill tells her about the legend of Paime. And then this is where we go into the flashback again. Yeah. So this is going to be a flashback from way before um, she was probably even a proper assassin because yeah. she was still getting taught. Mm-hmm. Well, and she, not just by Bill, no, by no, someone else. Yeah, because, well, at this point, now she goes to meet Pai Mei, mm-hmm. you know, when she only knows one martial art move and, like, some sword play, pretty mm-hmm. much, and that's, like, it. So right. to be an assassin, uh, to be the world's greatest assassin, killer, whatever, I feel like you need a little more skills than that. So this probably is very early on. The most dangerous woman in the world. Thank you. She wasn't shooting for world's greatest, okay? World's greatest. Just most deadly woman in the world. <laughs> you, mean, you mean she doesn't get a mug that says world's greatest? <laughs> she certainly doesn't. So basically, Paime is this amazing martial arts master who is really deadly. And he taught Bill. So now Bill's bringing his new blonde lady to train with him. And Paime has been alone a long time and he needs somebody to train. Which it sounds like, because um, we know from another flashback, we'll see a little bit later, that he also took L there. So do you think that he took all of the deadly vipers there, or just those that wanted to, or those that um, needed an extra skill? I I think it might have just been the his two main squeezes, hmm? honestly. Yeah, Cause I, I could see that. Yeah, I feel well, like um, Vivica Fox's character, I feel like she didn't really... Renita? Yeah, I didn't feel like she didn't really do, like, getting kung fu. That was mostly just uh, well, knives. Well, that's the thing, is they say... The most deadly the most, one with a, with a with blade a, or with a, an edge, edge weapon. Edge weapon. And she's like, you know, Bill didn't qualify that shit. Oh, I love that line. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, funny note, um, like Michael Parks playing two different characters in this same movie, Gordon Liu plays Johnny Moe and also plays Pai Mei, and it's hysterical. Which Johnny Moe, again, was the... Um, crazy 88 boss leader leader kind of the bald one from the volume one yeah okay after beatrix shows up at pie maze he kind of puts her through her paces and one of the things that bill drops about pie may is that he has this death blow technique the five point palm exploding heart technique and that's kind of foreshadowing for later in the movie as Mm -hmm. as we know because we've seen it a million times (laughs) and he teaches it to no one is what Bill says. Pai, mm-hmm. Yeah, Paime, it's only he knows it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he used it to kill this, uh, like, entire temple of, of monks, monks. Just for some imagined slight. So it's it's something that's really powerful. Right. That nobody knows but Paime. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. Which is, which is funny at that point, because you could honestly just think that that's some kind of, like, superstition. Like, everyone mm-hmm. just spreads the rumor that, oh, he knows this super mm-hmm. secret move. Don't mess with him. So I, I kind of wonder if it's something that people just don't believe that he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Or, or like... Like, they believe he has something, but, like, maybe he really doesn't. Oh, he does, though. But he does. (laughs) We find out later. 
after she's trained with him a bit, he she kind of gains his respect, and I'm pretty sure that's why he imparted so much wisdom to her and all these different techniques that he didn't even teach Bill. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I think he just didn't trust Bill to have them. Oh, I was going to say, I was actually just about to bring that up. Do you think he was kind of in the same frame of mind as like Hattori Hanzo, where he knew Bill was kind of a sociopath and crazy and yeah. just didn't want him to have all this power, yeah. you know? I think he thought if Bill knew it, Bill would use it on him. Mm. Yes. Okay, and the bride think... wouldn't, because she respected him as her master. Yes. That's what I think. I, I agree. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because then Bill would be the master, kind of thing. Yeah. And, and he, he would totally he would want something. To be. He totally he would. He would, want. He would he absolutely. He would want to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Snake charmer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things that happens is uh, they're doing kind of a little training session, and Paime gets her arm behind her back, and he says, This arm belongs to me now. And he trains her to shove her fist through this super thick piece of wood. And she uses that uh, later on to get out of the coffin that Bud has put her in. Because it's just a wooden plywood coffin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And no she... expense uh, spared for that <laughs> one. No, no. no. They, they went to Lowe's and got a plywood coffin. Is it, is it not mahogany? <laughs> <laughs> nope. And the bride's able to uh, get her cowboy boots off. And she's got a hidden knife in her boots. Which, Bud, you didn't do a very good job Did not... checking her. Right? I mean, as much as I don't want to say it, say but it. just pat the woman down. <laughs> Come on. Like, she is a trained assassin. All you've done is to date her. You know that she's had training before, and clearly she, you know, has... She's killed at least 88 guys before this. Right? So, <laughs> so she has the stamina. She has this, you know, gung-ho, I'm gonna do what I gotta do. So why didn't you... Why didn't yep. you strip her down? I'm sorry. Why didn't you? So she digs her knife out of her boot, cuts her bindings, and she punches her way through the coffin and is able to escape. Uh, once she she does, I love the scene where she walks from the cemetery into the diner and she's like, can I have some water? And she looks like an effing zombie. Oh yeah. <laughs> her, her walking across the street with like the, the, um, dirt. dirt just billowing off of her. She looks like a specter. Oh, totally. It's great. That's... And she's still got the blood on her shirt from getting shot with this with rock salt. <laughs> which she probably still has in her chest. In her boobs. I mean, let's be real here. That was probably one of my favorite scenes in that whole movie. <laughs> walk, so good. Running across the street, the guy's like. Okay. <laughs> this is how my night's gonna be. I hope, I hope um, she got her water. I really do. <laughs> I'm sure she did. And then the bride, without shoes, walks her ass all the way back to Bud's. Why didn't you just steal a car? Like... No. Because... She's got, extra. Got She's ev- gotta do it. Everyone in this movie's gotta be extra? Yes. Yes. One car could have just saved her so much time and blisters. No. It fueled her hate fire. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Fair, fair. fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, once she shows up back at Bud's, Elle drives up in her fancy vehicle with a red suitcase full of money. Mm-hmm. She agreed to exchange a million dollars for the new Hattori Hanzo sword that the bride brought back from her back from Japan with her. Mm-hmm. But that's not exactly what happens. Bud and Elle have a little bit of a tense conversation, and Bud starts counting his money, and a black mamba mm-hmm. pops out and hits him in the face a couple it's a times. Metaphor. I- <laughs> <laughs> it's a metaphor. It is. It is. I hate the scene. Like I, I, I do not. I don't watch it. I don't like it. No. No. I. It's. It, no. It well. It, it's one of those things, and I think Kelly had brought it up when we were watching it earlier. Is it's unexpected? Because yeah. I mean, like, you, it's a jump scare. Yeah, well, it's no, it for is. sure. It's yeah. a jump scare. But usually, like, when you have movies where there are things in the bag, it's right there on top. Like, yeah. so you no, open yeah. you open the bag and you flip it, and whatever is in the bag is right there. Mm-hmm. But for this particular scene, he had to actually it was buried, move yeah. stuff out, and then it happens. I think she knew he would want to count the money while she was still there to mm-hmm. make sure she wasn't 
shorting him. Yeah, yeah. And that's why she did it that way. Well, that's another thing, too, that I, I actually found interesting watching it is that she, she lingers. She didn't mm-hmm. just... She wanted to see it. Yes, exactly. I was like, bitch, you got your sword. Mm-hmm. Leave. Mm-hmm. You also got a nasty-ass margarita, but... Mm. <laughs> so so I, I, I think she stayed because she won. And then also she attempts to collect her money also at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also yeah. get out with the with, sword and the money. Right. Um, I think she wanted to see Bud die a hard death yeah. because... She was pissed she didn't get to kill the bride, and oh, she was yeah. pissed that Bud did it, because she didn't think he was worthy he enough. Wanted to, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, she says that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She straight up says that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and again, as, as we said, that these movies have clearly pitted these two women together. I mean, for Elle being second all the time, mm-hmm. she really wanted to be the one to take out number one. Mm-hmm. But it, it never scared me, and I think it's because the scene always just reminds me of Holes. <laughs> the Disney movie Holes. <laughs> Um, which, you know, has no snakes in it. Well, well it, it has the venom. In, in that yeah. kind of way. It's yeah. not used like that, but uh, the Sigourney Weaver character makes her own nail polish out of rattlesnake venom, so, mm-hmm. and uses it to... Scratch a bitch. S- scratch, yeah. Um, <laughs> Isn't it like John Voight? Yeah, thank you. In it's, the face? It's John Voight, yes. yeah. So oh he has, gosh. She has these lovely scratch marks, but anyway. But you have to imagine that she's probably scratched other people. Children? With, with that. <laughs> the yeah. children she's tormenting? So it's one, it's one of those uh, things where, you know, a snake and its venom is used mm. in this movie, and a snake okay. and its venom is used in a lovely <sighs> Disney movie. <laughs> so our, our word of the podcast is gargantuan. Yes! Because we so rarely get to use it in a sentence. <laughs> Uh, and this scene is actually the first time that Elle uses Beatrix's real name. Right. She And um, that's surprising to, to me. Why is she the one that gets to reveal to the audience that that's her name? I think it's just a function of she's the person before the final boss. Oh, And okay. it needs to be revealed now before because then. we're going to get to Bill and he's just going to call her that. And now it's not going to be a surprise. I, I think he does, um, I think he does still call her kiddo at least once. And yeah, because it, it capitalized it. it. Yeah. Oh, noticed. that's right. In the yeah, subtitles. In the subtitles. After having a lowercase throughout the mm-hmm. other, or the rest of the movie, at this one point he calls her kiddo and it's in caps. Yeah, so I think it was just, okay, now's the time to say it mm-hmm. because now it's going to mean something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, just, I think that's just what it is. Yeah, no, it doesn't bother me that she mm-hmm. says it. I don't have a problem with it. I'm just, I'm just surprised that she's the one that gets to, but it being the climactic it 11th matter. hour, <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so then she calls to Bill to boast that uh, the bride's dead, but that the bride has killed Bud by slipping a black mamba. So the whole point of it was she wanted to frame her mm-hmm. for killing Bud with something of her namesake, which I, I think is pretty fucking smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Uh, so that he wouldn't suspect Elle of doing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Elle hated Bud. She didn't care. Yeah. So, I don't think anybody cared about Bud right, except for Bill. Right. Yeah. Well, as she's exiting the trailer, she wasn't careful like Bud was, and Beatrix ambushes her ass, knocks her back into it, and there you have a crazy fun <sighs> fight. Wait, which, that's another um, fight scene I think that's kind of, like, underrated. I've always enjoyed that one, because at every single turn, Elle tries to pull that sword out, and it's such it just, a... It gets it can't get it out. It's such a confined space. I know, I really am, enjoy that amazing. scene. Like, yeah. I, I, I enjoy close fight scenes like that mm-hmm. anyway. The way it's shot, it, it it's humor. It you know, it, yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're it's, like, it's mm-hmm. really cool hitting to kinda, walls, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So it's really cool to see these two women who you know are deadly assassins, and it's just, it's a funny fight scene. And then when Elle does finally get it out, the bride comes out of the bedroom with Bud's fucking Han- Hattori Hanzo sword, and she's like, "Where did you get this other sword? <laughs> I have the sword. I had the upper hand, but Bud uh, lied. Shocking. He's he's a an assassin. He lies." 
Yeah. Maybe that's what he was good at. Um, but no, the uh, engraving on the uh, mm-hmm. sword uh, to my to my brother Bud, the only man I ever loved, <laughs> which is great. I believe it. I believe it too. <laughs> he only hangs out with women, so I believe it. Only had to have a man on his team because it was his brother. Yeah, pretty much. But during the whole confrontation, Elle reveals that she was also taught by Paimei, and she straight up murdered Paime after Paime snatched her eye out for being a bitch. And Beatrix is super pissed about it. And uh, well, what she ends up doing is snatching Elle's other eye out. Well, it's kind of like what you said, where um, Beatrix actually respected Paime, which is yeah. why he taught her probably That was her, every, master. That was her master. Right. And he, so it See would who? make sense mm-hmm. um, that she would be upset. She was already upset with mm-hmm. Elle, but then for Elle to then say, I also killed your master, it's like, okay, <laughs> you've killed somebody else that meant something to me in some way. Mm-hmm. Well, and at first, Paime says, Bill is your master, and Beatrix says, yes. But then later, Elle says, I killed your master, who is Paime. So ah. I think she she was taught initially by Bill, but she learned how to be who More. she is from Paime. She mm-hmm. learned more mm-hmm. from him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like the final thing. And she's like, yeah. you know what? You guys wanted to torture me and bury me alive and have me die that way. I'm going to torture you and take your other eye. Yeah. So do you, do you think Paime taught her that as well? How to snatch an eye? Absolutely. <laughs> he taught her all the tricks. He was <laughs> like, this bitch knows what's up. I'm going to teach her everything. It was the exact same technique. It was. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So well, like, hey, in case you ever run to that bitch again, let me just <laughs> teach you how to snatch out her other eye. <laughs> Well, like, in the monologue where, like, you know, they're fighting together, doing the poses, she does that hand motion as she's taking, like, multiple times in the position where she rips out the eye. She Mm. does that grabbing Mm -hmm. hand motion. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. During the montage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, When they're, when the shadowy background and, yeah, they're doing that fucking... Um, It's it's like an ostrich. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Well, isn't... Yeah, no, no, no that, that's interesting. No. Not, not, this podcast is not claiming to know anything about martial arts, <laughs> except for what we've seen in this movie. We're not claiming to know anything about anything. <laughs> hey! <laughs> and also, I guess, I guess I didn't realize that she was taught after. That Elle was taught after? Yeah. 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 So that automatically puts her as second, second. string. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So it's uh-huh. already, it runs deep yeah. that... So Paime had taught Beatrix already and had her as his star kind people. Kind of, exactly. Yeah. And then... Because she killed him when she was still his pupil. Right. Because you see her and yeah. she's in her, like... Her oh, training outfit. Yeah. That's so. kind of unfair. I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, for Elle to... To kill him? Well, no, like, like bitch, you came second. Like, sorry yeah, about that. Said, yeah. like, well, she didn't fight him. She poisoned his fish heads. It, which right. is yeah, cowardly. She was which is cowardly. so low. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially for someone like Well, clearly, like that's him. what she does. I mean, underneath? she... Oh, yeah. She put a... Black mamba. Black mamba underneath money in yeah. a suitcase that... Yeah. She, yeah, so... Maybe she just likes poison, though. I mean... Yeah. Oh, yeah. She also is the one who shows up earlier in volume one to the hospital with the needle and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, maybe that was like her specialty. Oh, dude, yes. So maybe like snake venom is like, or venom in general is like her thing. And also, I mean, she's now that she's closer with Bill, as we'll get into, Bill has also developed his own like tranquilizer thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe she helped him with that mm-hmm. now that he, she's his main squeeze. Yeah. And, and, oh, yeah, that's possible. She could I, be the oh, like, yeah. I, the poison I, specialist. Exactly. Like, and I, that's cool. Yeah. I I, 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 I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think I think I might have skipped saying the chapter name. So this whole part was uh, with Ellen, the bride fighting, is chapter nine, Ellen and I, specifically talking about these two women. And I think they've had these problems since they've known each other. They were never friends. Never. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. Uh, which is interesting. 
Well, in real life, weren't they really not friends either? I think also the actresses, yeah, did not get along the whole time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've read that. Which may have led Life imitates to... art. Well, yeah. Okay, which may yeah. have led to some very good acting. Yeah, that, sure. that fight scene was even more intense because mm-hmm. they uh, may have really hated each other. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or who knows? Maybe they got the scene done in like one or two takes just to mm-hmm. get out of the same room with each other. Possible. <laughs> Possible. Find trailer space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's small. So, surprisingly, shockingly, we've been talking for a while now. We're in the last chapter called Face to Face. Which obviously leads to Bill and Beatrix. The boss fight. Ooh, it's so good. Or boss meetup. It's so good because it's so chill. Mm-hmm. You oh, know? yeah. Like, I don't find it anticlimactic at all. You don't? No. I do no. a little. I love it. Because it's been so balls to the wall the whole time. Yeah. And when you get down I, to it, mm-hmm. she doesn't need all that shit to beat him. Mm-hmm. She needs one move. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just, um, I love that. The move. The move. And that's what it takes to beat him. And she mm-hmm. knows it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So she's in Mexico. And she's heading towards Esteban Vejo, and as we said earlier, he uh, helped raise Bill, and presumably Bud, but they don't say. No, we actually never know if Bud is a biological brother, an adopt foster brother, I mean... We don't know. We have no idea, just brother. Yeah. So it's possible he also grew up in this environment and yeah, did, maybe. Not, did not take to it as well. Well, we see Bud show up as a bouncer in a strip club, mm-hmm. so sure. maybe... That's what Maybe he, that's, they, what, he that's what he knew. So that's what he went to do. Oh, no, that could work. But so she goes to to visit him, and he, he kind of knows who she is because uh, Bill's, I'm sure, warned everyone he knows about her <laughs> at this point. She doesn't go there to kill him. She goes there for And he gives it up pretty easily because he says, how is he ever going to see you again? How is Bill ever going to see you again if I don't tell you where he is? It's, like, the creepiest thing, Ooh. and, like, he thinks he's being romantic and sweet it, somehow. It, yeah, it's yeah. definitely my, like, probably least favorite scene in, like, mm-hmm. all of it. It's mm-hmm. just really, really cringeworthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he even tells her, you would have been my number one lady, and it's like, oh, thanks, I would have been your number one whore in your whorehouse. Yeah. Well, and he also... <laughs> no? <laughs> well, doesn't he also make a comment where, like, if you had done what you did to me, like, I wouldn't have killed you. I just mm-hmm. would have disfigured your face. Yeah, yeah. But basically. I, but I would have let you live with your baby. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm no. like, uh. Like, no, mad respect to sex workers who do what they want to do, but I feel like the way they portray that scene, those women were not there because they wanted to be. Oh, no. They so, yeah. that whole scene creeps me the fuck out. Mm-hmm. So, she gets the information, and she tracks Bill to a hotel, and this is the scene where she discovers that her daughter Bibi's still alive. Which, do you, why Bibi? It probably stands Beatrix for something. And I mean, Beatrix Bill. and Bill. That's yeah. so lame. <laughs> yeah. I hope not. I'm so angry. I've never thought that before. One, I'm mad at myself for never thinking that. And two, I'm mad if that's true. <laughs> Good job, Kelly. I'm pretty sure that's true. As soon as you said it, I was like... First time I saw it, I already cracked the code. (laughs) As soon as you said it, I was like, yes. Yes, that makes complete sense. No, that is totally it. It's it's probably BB on her, like, birth certificate, but Bill Bill knows that's what it stands for. Jeez. Yeah, my mind's a little blown. I completely agree. That is what it is. Even if it isn't, uh, that's what it is. Thanks, I hate it. (laughs) Well, I mean, dude's like a crazy narcissist, right? So... Okay, fine. Bill and then Beatrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Let's be real. Just Bill, Bill. <laughs> Bill, 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 science guy. Uh, so after she finds out she's alive, they have this emotional scene where they come back together that I think is just beautiful. I love which, it. Which, so she never thought that her, it was possible for her daughter to be alive? <laughs> Heather ever? looks incredulous right now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know why she never tried to get any more any medical records to, to she, confirm that to like confirm she lost that, her baby. Exactly. I mean, she just if she was. Yeah. Okay. She just like stomach is flat. No baby. 
It's been four years. Kill Rampage. Well, she woke up to some guys about to rape her, so I think she might have just been like, I, seeing Red, I, I need to murder people right no, now. No, I, I do understand that, but she does take a step back because she does know what she needs to do to kill all these people. Yeah. So you th- I think that she did have moments Be- of, like, before clarity. Before you kill everybody. Yeah. Let's maybe. check into something. Because, I mean, she did need a sword well, first. Maybe she then, did, though. I mean, actually, to... It's pop. Maybe build Covered it, it up. Covered yeah. it up. It's possible. Well, I mean, four years passed. I mean, you're not going to have a, a kid in your stomach after four years, so... No, exactly. Well, like no, right. nine months, okay. Like I don't think. But why is her immediate assumption it died? So I, 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 I like the Bill covered it up story. That's that makes sense. Because that would make them. I mean, again, even if her baby was alive, I don't think that it would have prevented her from her revenge rampage. I still think that she would have done it, but she probably would have immediately gone to the direction of find her kid, which right. would have eliminated the entire movie. Right. Right, but she was still killing them in a particular order because she didn't know where Bill was. Right, yeah. So she was learning more and more as she went, and mm-hmm. I think that's probably why she started out the way she did. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think no, even definitely. if she had known, uh, it wouldn't have been as dramatic later on in the movie, yeah. but also if she had known, I think she still would have done the same thing. So do you think, though, that... I, do you think Bill I, I'd have to agree. Yeah. I do think that she was still fueled... Like, even if she did know that her baby was alive... She probably would have still been fueled by, yeah. you know... Re- she would have been even more fierce. Oh, yeah. yeah. He probably just mm-hmm. covered it up, though. In the long run, mm-hmm. grand scheme of things, let's see that once she unatrophied her limbs, <laughs> she went and dug up her medical records and it said her baby was dead. Mm-hmm. So she ends up spending the evening with Phoebe and they watch Shogun Assassin. And just an interesting fact, that so this movie was edited together by an American filmmaker from the first two Lone Wolf and Cub uh, Japanese action movies. And that's like a... Those were based off of a super popular 1970s manga series. So the movie they're watching has the English dub in it. So that movie, I think, came out in like 1980. Um, so that's what they were watching. Which a plus parenting. Great, pa- great parenting. <laughs> great parenting. <laughs> Letting a four-year-old watch Shogun Assassin. <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine. Uh, says, says the 13-year-old that went saw Kill Bill. <laughs> I, I saw The Matrix in theaters in 1999 when I was 10, so... It's fine. It's all fine. I turned out great. <laughs> 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 so, uh, after she kind of scoots BB into bed, she goes out to have a kind of final talk. And they don't immediately have a confrontation. They do kind of chill and talk for a while, which I think adds to kind of the suspense. But Bill pulls out this, like, <laughs> fucking bullshit and shoots her with a truth serum dart. So that he can interrogate her, and goes on this uh, long superhero analogy. And basically, the point of it is, Beatrix is born a killer. No matter if she pretended to be Arlene, like Ash was referring to before, she's still always going to be a killer. And she's going to wake up every morning and she's a killer. Be Beatrix, like mm-hmm. that's just how it is. She could pretend all she wants, basically. Then he basically asks her, "What the hell did? Why did you do what you did?" Right, because he never, he still to this point doesn't know why she left. She, no, he just knows yeah. that she that she left. Wound up in El Paso, was gonna get married, and was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know the baby was his at the time, yeah. which doesn't excuse anything. But Mm-mm. that was one of his other grievances. My she, baby. Right, exactly. So she tells him he had sent her on a mission to go kill somebody. And while she was uh, doing the mission, she got spotted, and another assassin came to kill her before she could kill her target. But she does, uh, she pees on a stick. As, <laughs> as every woman does in every movie, they get a pregnancy sure, test. Sure, And she figures out that she's actually pregnant seconds before the uh, assassin blows a hole through the door. And I, I kind of like this scene. 
because it wouldn't have worked if it was a man. No. But it worked because it was a woman assassin coming after Beatrix. Oh. Yes. I I, I, I agree. Mm Mm-hmm. I do like how, um, this might not mean anything, but, like, when she dropped the pregnancy test, that ultimately saved her life. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so her baby she, saved her. She had, in a to, way. she had to bend down. Yeah. yeah. So she, she missed the. She basically ducked when uh, the assassin shot, shot the through the door with a shotgun at close mm-hmm. range mm-hmm. and it saved her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a good point. That's funny. I never. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then. Uh, so, so then she has to try and prove to the assassin. Other assassin. That has come to kill her. Not to kill her. Pregnant. Because <laughs> cl- apparently there's a code amongst female assassins. Maybe. Uh, you know, yeah. not to kill innocent unborn baby bystanders. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Um, so Karen ends up picking up the pee stick, She right? touched a pee stick! <laughs> she peed on that stick and she touched it! Whatever. They were all, like, sweaty and gross by then. It's fine. I mean, I get that they're assassins. They probably touched way worse, as we see. She, you know, later on they touched definitely way worse. But she touched a pee stick. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm gonna worry about it. Uh, so that's that's the reason uh, she left, is she found out she was pregnant, and yeah. she had this, this incident with the assassin, and she's like, that's it, I gotta get out. Because mm-hmm. I can't be in this life and have this baby, and I don't want it to be raised by Bill. Which ended up being raised by Bill anyway. Well, for <laughs> four years. Well, sure. I mean, but that wasn't her intention. Right, um, right. And so he just assumed when she didn't come back, she was dead. Eventually, he goes to try to find the people who killed her to get you know, do his own little mini revenge rampage. But he finds her instead with Tommy, Tommy Plimpton and uh, getting married and now she's pregnant and he goes off the deep end and she tells him, I, I know you could do this. You could absolutely do this thing, but I never thought you could do it to me. And he basically just says, well, you were wrong. I could have done it to you. You're not that special is the mm-hmm. kind of well, thing it, that we read into it. Well, and then even before that though, he's all like, you know, wham, wham, I loved you. So I did these things and yet, I overreacted. I, and yet I can still do that shit to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even though I loved you. Mm-hmm. What, which, mm-hmm. not love. <laughs> no. At no, all. No, 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 no. Infatuation. His, not, his, uh, his no. version of love. Yeah. As much that's, as sociopath can love someone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They, they kind of finish their conversation and go outside and they're gonna have their fight and Beatrix gets the upper hand almost immediately and mm. strikes him with the five point palm exploding heart technique. And Bill accepts it pretty well. Mm-hmm, he does. He makes peace about it. Well, at that point, what are you going to do? Not die? Don't yeah. walk. Yeah. yeah, don't walk. I mean, <laughs> don't walk. He, he knows that mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. it, which, it's over. you know, he probably knew it was going to be over anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do love before, because they, they talk a little bit more while they're still, mm-hmm. you know, he knows he's going to die. They still chat a little bit. She's tearing up. And I, well, yeah. And, yeah. and, and I do like, though, that he asks her, how do I look? Um, that's. I like it because it's like a callback to when she was at the church and he was there and she asked him, you know, how do I look? Yes. So then you know, she tells him, you look ready. He stands up, buttons his coat like a true gentleman and <laughs> takes his walk of death. He does his paces and <laughs> falls gracefully to the, the grass. Really, really gracefully. It, it really was. was. Yeah. It really was. And uh, after that, Beatrix collects BB and they head off to start their new life together. You, you had to think... I'm, I'm a little surprised, though, that she just walks out with the kid. Like, I'm surprised he didn't have, like, bodyguards or something, you know? He had a valet, I yeah, I clearly. Know. I mean, someone... Well, I think it was a hotel. It was, some, like, a cabana or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it was something. So, But yeah. you would just think that somebody would have been there to guard him, just considering... Maybe, maybe she was, like... Hope he's had a heart attack and then she right. like left. Yeah. Or maybe the sword on her back was like, never mind. Here, yeah, here's don't your mess car. with me. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Here's your car. No need to tip. No, exactly. <laughs> 
So we've mentioned it a couple times. Uh, there's actually a version called The Whole Bloody Affair that, as far as I'm aware, has never been released on DVD or Blu-ray, but it combines the movies back into one movie. One four-hour, five-hour movie? It, it's four hours, yeah. And uh, well, it might be a little longer because they add some stuff in. Uh, but they take some stuff out, so. Mm -hmm. Of course. But, so in 2004, Tarantino showed the combined version at the Cannes Film Festival, and then I think in, like, 2011, he showed it at the New Beverly Cinema in L.A., and he actually owns that cinema because it's a 35mm only, like, projection system, oh. which he's super big on. Uh, he doesn't like digital. <laughs> Which is completely fair. Yeah. So, so why can't we get something like that played at, like, our draft house? <laughs> well, we don't have one yet. <laughs> but we're supposed to be getting a draft house, so maybe. I so, don't know. I would love to see it, because there are a lot of differences. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and I think that would help someone like me, who doesn't quite enjoy Volume 2 as much mm -hmm. as I enjoy Volume 1, so mm -hmm. maybe watching it the way it was meant to be viewed would right. change my mind. Some of the differences are the anime sequence, there's a, a bit more violence in it uh, mm -hmm. that they cut to get mm -hmm. that R rating. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, more violence! Uh, the battle in the House of Blue Leaves, there's a section where it turns to black and white, That's... and in the combined version, it's all in color. But they had to do that. And that that's when she's fighting the Crazy 88. Yes. Is that mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Yep. But they had to do it because they wanted that R rating and there was yeah. too much blood, basically. So right. It would have been NC-17. No no rating possible to I rate. mean, I mean, Showgirls ruined the NC-17 rating, so who knows? <laughs> oh my god, Showgirls. <laughs> who knows? But to be able to play um, in... Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, they had to do that. Also, because, like, no one likes NC-17 because it's harder for kids to go see them. Yeah. Deal. So yeah. that's why they, they always stick with rated R. Right. They probably lose so money that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's more restricted. So no, they it's rated R. Sure it's like do. whatever. Well, when was the last time a movie was rated in C17? Like I don't even know. In theater, yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. Well, then also, I mean, I would enjoy I would like to see the scene in color, but honestly, it adds a really cool aesthetic mm -hmm. to the I whole agree. Thing. I like it in yeah. black, black and white. white. I yeah, think it's cool. Really cool. And the way they do more blood. That was Kelly chanting more blood. Gallons of the stuff. Gallons of the stuff. Yes. Oh, gosh. So that little scene where she blinks and the color turns back on, I, I, that doesn't happen. It's just all in color. All in color. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, I think there's a little bit more with the kid she spanks, the little child Yakuza <laughs> also, Come which is funny. <laughs> You're right. Um, this is what you've done for me with Yakuza. <laughs> Go home to your mother. The final cliffhangers removed, so the part where Bill is telling Sophie, does she know her daughter's alive, doesn't happen in the combined version. And it goes, it basically just ends on the bride standing over Sophie in the trunk, uh, mm -hmm. which is a shot Tarantino uses a lot in Tr his movies. Trunk shots. Them trunk shots, uh, which I quite enjoy. Then the beginning of the next movie, of two, when they put it together, that whole opening monologue with the bride isn't it. So it just kind of picks up with uh, the scene after that. Uh, oh, so actually, and in between them, in that version, the way they play it, they have a intermission. So they play the first half. Mm -hmm. It ends with the trunk shot, and then they pick up again. Let's all go to the lobby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which they had in Hateful Eight, because Hateful Eight was so incredibly long. Oh, wow. Uh, they, there's an intermission uh, with, like, amazing musical interlude in, in the theater. Yeah, of course. Matt and I went and saw, like, a special screening of it at Disney. It was oh. so good. <laughs> oh, it was so good. From there, they're pretty much the same. I think from that scene on, pretty much, they're similar. 
So that's how that is. And I really would like to see it one of these days. I mean... Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, we do get a draft house, and that's what we should immediately start doing. (laughs) Petition for it? Yeah. I mean, you know they'll set up like a, what would you like to see here? Sure. just start sending them stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So, the long, long rumor, Kill Bill Volume 3. So that, that kind of stems from the very beginning of Volume 1, where Nikki sees Beatrix kill her mother, and Beatrix mm-hmm. says, if you ever feel raw about it, I'll be waiting. And she doesn't kill the daughter, she doesn't kill Sophie, she maims her, doesn't kill her, she doesn't kill Elle, so the thought is, those two get Nikki, they raise her up to come fight the bride, potentially, or BB. Wait, you think you think armless Sophie and eyeless <laughs> L go get Nikki and raise her? Yes. Uh, I'm sure in the next one they'll just go full uh, like cybernetic uh, arms and eyeballs. Yes. Oh my yeah. god! They're gonna get some Terminator yeah. limbs and yeah. eyeballs. Yeah. Does, does Doctor Green not get a say in his daughter's <laughs> upbringing? No. Cool. No. Well, I always kind of imagined it is. Uh, Nikki and BB fighting it out. I did too. Yeah, sure. That's like, why I always uh, thought. It. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's like. They're the same age. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. That's that, well, considering we kind of saw a little bit where BB may be slightly a little bit sociopathic, a little bit. She killed, killed uh, uh, Emilio. Goldfish. <laughs> Goldfish. <laughs> you know, un- understood what life and death and all that was at the tender age of four. Right. So I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. Yep, growing well, up. So I, I I agree with Heather. I've always yeah. assumed that if there ever was going to be, a, and just in today's day and age and how we they do sequels, it always ends up being the children. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I always assumed it was going to be BB and um yeah yeah, yeah. definitely like Nikki growing up and taking. Oh her yeah, revenge, she would definitely sure. she would play a, regardless of who the protagonist is or whatever. Yeah. Nikki would totally be a part. Yeah. Well, I feel like they might just they wouldn't even necessarily need the bride. No. They would just have BB. Um, right. They could just do a Sarah Connor and, like, she died of cancer or yeah, whatever, yeah. you know? Well, that's what I was thinking is that, like, Nikki... How dare you? Reboot! <laughs> 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 How dare you? Uh, sorry, sorry, I said that just to annoy Kelly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's kind of always been the thought. But uh, I think there are a lot of reasons that that's never going to happen. It's been, like, forever. It's, like, 15 years or, mm-hmm. or longer now, right? It's well, been, it's two, you said it was 2003. 2003. Three and four. Yeah, so it's been 15 years. Yeah, okay. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, so. Well, is he, is he one of those where he's waiting for them to be grown up? That was originally the thought, but it was supposed to take place <laughs> ten years later, and it's it's now five years past that, and he's made other oh, movies. Oh, the third movie was supposed yeah. to take place ten yeah. years later? And he was going to use the, the girls, the children, oh, okay. yeah. uh, in it. It would have been 14. Right. Anyway. Um, I like it better if they were, like, in their 20s or something. Same! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If they also had gone through some teachings. Yeah. Uh, Uma Thurman actually has a co-writing credit on the movie because Quentin and her came up with the character of the bride together. So at the end it says the character of the bride created by Q and U and it's referring to Quentin and Uma, which I've always just really liked. That mm-hmm. I was wondering what she got credit for. She got credit. Yeah. That's cool. Well, because when they first were going to do filming, Uma Thurman got pregnant and the bride ended up becoming a mother. She mm-hmm. wasn't originally. Okay. And it kind of changed the way the movie was going to go. It sure. changed a lot of the... Oh, yeah. yeah the Revenge movie. rampaging. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. So I think that's super cool that, like, her real life thing changed it and made it mean more because at the end when she's crying on the tile floor so happy that her daughter's alive and that yeah. she survived well, she, everything. She lived through all that mm-hmm. yeah. nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. And she gets to be with her now is... And yeah. there's no one left to threaten them at the moment. I think that is all due to Uma Thurman's mm-hmm. real life, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. It's probably the the scene with her on the bathroom 
uh, for when, when she's, you know, mm-hmm. done with it all. Probably one of those things where, again, she was so focused on her one goal. Yeah. So just to finally, I mean, she probably did not have time to process a lot of stuff because she was so focused on, like, that's how she got through mm-hmm. it. So now mm-hmm. she can actually, like, yeah. breathe, <laughs> take mm-hmm. a deep right. breath. Well, she's, like, sobbing and crying and laughing and yeah. smiling. So it's, like, every emotion is happening yeah. to her. Well, her training probably kicked in the minute mm-hmm. she, like, wanted to go on her rampage. Right. Like, her right. assassin, you know, mm-hmm. like... Fight or flight. She's, she's yeah, gonna fight. <laughs> just, she's finally getting kind of the life she Wanted. wants with her daughter. Mm-hmm. I, I did enjoy whenever um, she did see her target, the siren song went on. Oh, so good. That was my favorite yeah. thing ever. Probably <laughs> another one of those um, iconic things mm-hmm. from this movie is the Kill Bill sirens, as mm-hmm. I have always hear them referred to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the other things besides everybody aging out of where they would need to be is she did, Omi Thurman did get into a car accident. There was this blue convertible that they had her drive and... Uh, and most of, like, part two, you know? Mm-hmm. And she really wanted a stunt person to do it. And she, she was, talks about it in this... It's a really, like, tough article to read, but it's... This is why Uma Thurman is angry, an article in the New York Times. It, it basically just talks about how she was kind of forced into doing this scene that she didn't want to do, and she had to drive the car herself, and she crashed it into a palm tree and did uh, severe harm to her neck and her knees and, like, had a concussion and mm-hmm. all this shit. Mm. And they wouldn't give her the footage for her to see, you know, that it was not uh-huh. just her fault kind uh-huh. of thing. Like, it was the... There was something wrong with the vehicle. Yeah. And, uh... So I think that's part of it, because she... In this article, she talks about how she and uh, Quentin Tarantino had this, like, huge blow-up fight about it. Mm-hmm. And she basically thought he was, like, trying to kill her. And oh. and it, I'm sure he wasn't. I don't think that's... It was just carelessness. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's just, you know, one of those things. Well, you want to talk about... An- back about um hyper fixation hyper focus he probably just wanted to get that shot wanted he wanted to get this movie, movie. He, yeah he wanted this scene no right. matter what it took so you're just in that moment as yeah. it, not that it excuses no. anything no. ever for directors to treat their actors any kind of way like right. that but yeah i can see how that could happen and that's mm-hmm. it's a shame mm-hmm. and he wanted to be her he wanted to be authentic yeah you know? mm-hmm. he, he wanted the wind yeah, to blow through her hair yeah you know mm-hmm. he wanted that shot and i'm like oh but don't put people in danger, you know? It's no. not cool. <laughs> not not cool. cool. So I think that might have put a dent in things, but, you know, we're just speculating. We don't know them. So that's just pure speculation. It's speculation. To end with some more fun things and get away from slight depressing things, <laughs> the Divas talk we were talking about earlier, that was kind of inspired by the Fox Force 5 from Pulp Fiction, <laughs> which Mia Wallace describes. And Right. And, and in that her character does poisons. I'm going to stop you. So in the Fox Force <laughs> 5, uh, it was a all-female team of secret agents, and they each had their own skill. So Mia's character was Raven McCoy, and she was raised by circus performers and was the deadliest woman in the world with a knife. Mm-hmm. How about that? Uh, going down the list, the blonde one was the leader. That corresponds to L. The Japanese fox was a kung fu master. That corresponds to Oren. The black girl was a demolition expert, which doesn't quite fit. I mean, I guess just race, but not uh, her actual expertise, because she calls her the deadliest woman with an edge weapon. So what if she's the Mia Wallace character instead? Maybe. And then the French fox, which is Sophie, um, her speciality was sex, is what they say in Pulp Fiction. I... I mean, she was a model, maybe? Apparently. It's, it's like... Uh, Beautiful face. We're going back yeah. to that, you know, face scarring thing. 
kind of fits and kind of doesn't, but it, it is kind of the it's cool some inspiration it's, for that, yeah. which is fun. Yeah, to cool, think about. To think about for mm-hmm. sure. I, yeah, yeah, I like, I like that. that. And then we get to the music, which is mm. the last thing we're going to talk about here. The music's amazing. I love the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I have them both. I have I think most of Tarantino's soundtracks because they're just so great to listen to. Yeah, such aesthetical. <laughs> they are. Yeah, such a, an eclectic mix. And, like, they're also different, too. Mm-hmm. Like, like where do you hear this stuff from? Like, right. I, like one, one song was playing in volume two, and I was like, where did you get this from? Like, Elevator what, music. Right. Like, what do you listen to in your spare time to, like, oh, this should be in a movie? Like, I don't understand. Like, it's just crazy. There's other, like, there's other music genres? There's not just <laughs> stuff on the radio? I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, he did use some uh, score, score music from Ennio Morricone, and I, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, he's this amazing amazing musician and he actually wrote the theme song for the thing which is the oh, oh my god i know <laughs> john, john, Carpenter. oh, Gar- john carpenter's the thing and we all know here that i fucking love the thing <laughs> so much and that opening theme is amazing but he wrote an entire score uh of orchestral music for john carpenter and john carpenter didn't use any of it but the opening yeah. and uh so basically this whole album of music has never been in a movie so he was able to take that music and use some of it, plus new music, and use it for the score for Hate Flate, which okay. I think is super cool. Yeah. So and he uses... did that. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. yeah. Or... No, he did. He did. The, the musician. So he he had some songs in, in Kill Bill and stuff that he sampled, but he made, like, the entire soundtrack of Hate Flate is partially from music not used in the thing, which I think is amazing, and I just want to talk about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we've reached the end of our Kill Bill dis- discussion. Already? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's only been a few hours now. And I think I can speak for the group when I say we could watch this movie again and again forever. Mm-hmm. We do. Uh, yeah, we I do. Can, <laughs> I can certainly watch that. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, good. Cool. Okay, yeah, so this has been uh, Alicia talking right now. This has been my favorite movie ever. I love Kill Bill. I hope you've enjoyed us going in depth on it. We talked for a really long time about it. <laughs> And uh, I think we had some good things to say. Uh, give us some feedback. If you have any other tidbits you guys notice, let us know. Because we any... like hearing obscure shit. Yeah. yeah, if you know any. Any headcanons that you have. Fun facts, sure. Fan fiction any... you've written, whatever. Yeah, anything that you've <laughs> noticed. Oh, yeah, send us your headcanons. I want to know more. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, seriously, wanna... those are my favorite. I want to You, know, I you could just go more. deep in the Reddits. <laughs> like, cannons, like, Down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Reddit solves Kill Bill. Yes. <laughs> Please. Uh, so we're gonna attempt to do a short current events section since we rambled for about an hour in the first episode. We're just gonna try not to. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. We don't know if you like it yet or not. So we're gonna do it until we decide to stop. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so for movies, Ashley, Heather, and Alicia, we all saw Lego Movie 2 mm-hmm. and How to Train Your Dragon 3 this week. Kelly was busy being an adult, and we watched children's movies. <laughs> we, we did watch children's it's movies. True. Don't be an adult, it's a trap. <laughs> um, they were fine. They were sequels. You know, they were enjoyable. They were good. Um, How to Train Your Dragon, end of trilogy, heartfelt, heartwarming, mm-hmm. Heather cried. I single, single, the single tear, tear roll down my cheek. Fair. That's Ashley fair. and I's cold hearts were not moved. We I did wasn't not cry. bawling like a baby. No, because <laughs> I mean, you know, I did expect it. Oh yeah. So it's just, but ne- still, you know, I was like, neither oh, one were, you know, like breakthrough writing, but they were both sure. good sequels. They were 
good movies. I enjoyed Lego more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more funny and entertaining. Lego was funner. It was but that's just the way it is, too. And, yeah, and there was a lot of adult references. Like, God, yeah. Like, fucking, like, Bruce Willis shows up in a, in a crawling through a duct, like, diehard a couple times for no <laughs> yes. reason. So that was funny. And there was a lot of good Batman jokes that I liked. Mm-hmm. So Math uh, is a universal language. Math is universal language. <laughs> it is. Um, it ta- is. You're talking to an engineer and an economist yeah. here, so yeah, we know uh, we know how to do math. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, How to Train Dragon was just the end of a trilogy, and that's yeah. what it was. That's it. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I love Toothless, so just you fine. know. That's what yeah. everyone loves Toothless. <laughs> as far as TV goes, uh, Ashley and Alicia, we finished The Umbrella Academy. We Woo. both recommend it. Very good. Heather and Kelly have not finished it, so we're not going to spoil <laughs> it for them. Yeah. Although, again, I, I started to read the comics. It's different, so. though. It is. Yeah, Because sure I started looking is. in into it because yeah. I wanted to know... And then I saw how different it was, and I backed out of Wikipedia and said, never mind, I don't want to know, because Ooh. it'll it'll change yeah. how I think about it. Okay. And, and, of course, definitely set up for a um, second season. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. all set up. I bet. Mm-hmm. Which, I, I mean, honestly, the it's set up for it. I'm sure they're going to give it one. But if it didn't, I'm fine it's with fine. how it ended. It's mm-hmm. fine. Yep. Other TV? I haven't watched like, any TV. Dragon Prince Season 2 dropped. <sighs> Did you watch it? No, I'm on, I'm into the third episode. But, yeah, so I started I, watching that. I keep forgetting that that's on there until mm-hmm. I go on Netflix to yeah. just make sure other things are there. And it's like, hey, you should watch this. I'm like, fuck, I keep forgetting it's there. Yeah. So I, I need to. Nope, that's good. We're watching it. So. Nice. Kelly? Um, Sorry. Actually, Ryan started a show uh, over the weekend called uh, Pen15. And I actually watched a few episodes. It's actually kind of funny. It's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Pen, okay. like a writing pen? or Yeah, P-E-N-1-5. It's about uh, middle school girls in, like, the early 2000s. So, mm-hmm. you know, we relate to it. Mm-hmm. And, like... Yeah. I saw, I've seen the trailer for yeah. it. Yeah. And yes, it's, it's, it's really fucking hilarious like it's it's weird isn't but it's it funny. adults playing middle school yes it's two adults oh playing middle schoolers with all other kids as actors, yes. right yes yeah. yes okay. so, so it's completely standard 30 year old playing high schoolers oh yeah of course yeah. but like no middle no, schoolers, middle schoolers. Middle schoolers. Oh. and every so, other actor besides the two main characters are actual children yeah oh my god <laughs> it's okay. so it's so funny it's really weird but it's so funny because like ryan just texted me he watched an episode where they're doing aim for the first time they're doing what aim AM. AM. Oh, AM. It's yeah. Messaging. The messenger. It's messaging. Cool. I'm with you. And I'm just like, oh, like this, this is like nostalgia. <laughs> nostalgia. Yeah, the sound effects and like what they were like. <laughs> yes, I'm just like and like the shut the door when they lose sight. Oh off. my god, the door thing. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god, this is like, cause like it's the same era that we grew up in. So they're like you know 10, 11, 12, whatever. And I'm like, I remember this. I remember that. And like just some of the stuff they discover was at the same time I discovered it. So I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> this is perfect. Nice. Nice. Okay, do do us a favor. Send us just a one word email. If you yes or no, do you know what AIM is? <laughs> oh my God, yes. I want to know how many children are listening to this and how many adults are listening to this. <laughs> um. Okay. Are we, any other TV? Mm-mm. Okay. So video games. Uh, this is Alicia talking. I picked up uh, the Talos Principle. Well, I've had it forever, but I finally started playing the Talos Principle. It's a puzzle game by a Croatian developer called Crow Team, and it's kind of portally so without you, portals. You like puzzle oh. games. I love puzzle games. Mm-hmm, uh, they make you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's that sort of setup where okay. you go from kind of room to room, figuring out how to do things. And there's, uh, I'm through. Almost all of World A. There's three worlds, oh. and so far you 
you kind of unlock different things to help you solve puzzles oh, as okay. time goes on. That sounds fun. And you have to, what you get for solving them are tetraminos, they're, they're Tetris pieces, and then you can use them to unlock doors. Like, you have to put them all together the same color. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you gather enough of the same one, you can do that. So you um, unlock new things to help you to solve new puzzles. So it's really neat. I'm, I'm liking it a lot. The, the character you are, you can be in third person or first person. You're a robot. And I actually was in first person for a while, and I switched into the third, and it was the creepiest thing ever to see this robot walking around. I did not want to see him with my eyeballs. So I put it back in first person. I just see the robot hand every once in a while when I do something. That's okay. But it was really weird uh, just to look look at a not-human doing these things. I'm like, I don't know. Um, But there's actually some cool little collectible things where you go to these terminals, and you're talking to a computer program, and you're kind of, you choose your own dialogue from the different options, and uh, I'm basically trying to convince it that I'm a real person so I can get access to the computer system. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. It's like, this robot gets the option to say some kind of existential shit. So, I, I, I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. So I'm enjoying that, and uh, dallying with uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. I, I like the main character. She's a chick, so of course oh, I like okay. her. Cool. Uh, and she's uh, like a Indian-American actress, Mm. And oh, she's cool. gorgeous, uh, and they did the motion capture for her, so she nice. like, it looks like it looks her. Like her? Yeah, oh, very yeah, cool. I love, I love her. She's really cool. She's super tough. She's like, uh, uh, what's it called? An agent for the Empire kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. So she's a bad guy, and I'm like, oh, I smell a redemption arc. So I'm gonna, <laughs> my favorite trope okay. of all time. <laughs> so I'm gonna hang in there and see if I can get through all the Tie Fighter uh, flying sequences, which. I love TIE Fighters. I hate driving things in games. That's mm. yeah. It is the worst. So, uh, we don't, maybe, maybe I'll just try to get good. <laughs> we, don't, we don't talk about, um, what is it, Arkham... Uh, Arkham, Arkham Knight? Knight? Yeah. The bane of my existence. <laughs> bane? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That, a pun? Yes. that was a pun. That was a good, good job. Kelly, what's your plan? Uh, I started Shadow, uh, Tomb Raider... Wait. Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I, started, I started that game. Came out last year. And it's, it's good. I mean, it's... It's okay. I haven't really got too much yeah. into it. I'm in, like, the second city. I'm in the hidden city. Yeah. It's a lot of collectibles, and it's too... Like, I haven't really done story much. Like, I'm just trying to collect shit, and... I felt the it's same. It's just okay. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's... Tomb Raider 2013 is fucking fantastic. The story's mm-hmm. so good. It's found family, like, ever, you know... Ohana! Gotta, yes, Ohana. You gotta mm-hmm. save your friends, and right. there was a real meaning behind it, and... Mm-hmm. And this one, you start the apocalypse and you're trying to stop that from happening, which yeah. is, you know, that's a, that's a worthy goal. Yeah. But I don't care, because <laughs> I need characters to care about. And, right, like, sure. Jonas ain't cutting it. Like, I'm sorry. So, yeah. it's just kind of, it's fine. But Ashley did watch me trying to get the platinum. That's the Mayan one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I got to the, I got through it pretty fast to get the plat, because you have to play it on the hardest, mm, or, yeah. like, a hard mode or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, th- But the final boss fight was hilarious. I was like, I think I watched you play, I took a nap, and I woke up in yeah. time to watch the final boss yeah. fight. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. I don't know how you slept through that, man. I was cursing a lot. I was <laughs> tired. I, I don't know, I slept good. And then it was I was pretty funny. like, oh, hey, look, things are happening now. Yeah, well, and uh, my roommate, Matt, he walked in the door with food, and he's like, get out here and eat your fucking dinner. And I'm like, but, I, but I'm at the boss fight. And I felt like I was 10 again. And my mom's like, calm down and eat. Stop playing Mario. She's like, no. Uh, so, yeah, no, I totally get it. Yeah. Are you going to stick with it? Uh, well, we'll see. Uh, we... We're in like a season pass right now for Xbox, so like oh. it's it ends in like the end of March. It's like a subscription. Yeah. So, so like, you I have, have to... until then to beat it. 
Yeah. So or you could just play on PS4, which I own. Yeah, I know. I might just borrow it from you. Yeah. If I don't end up. I don't care about the whole Xbox PlayStation thing. Do you like feel my too. judgment? Across I do. The table? Okay. I didn't. I didn't so, buy it. Ryan did. So just to, to skip past that. Heather, are you still playing Spider-Man? Yeah, I haven't really been playing much of anything currently. <laughs> no. So she's adulting too. Okay. I am adulting. Yeah. <laughs> it's rough. I caught a Mew in Pokemon Go. Nice. Yay. Very proud of that. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're, uh, well, okay. Not even joking. We will be playing Pokemon Go in Japan. I'm sure oh, we will. Yeah. We, we need to. It. We won't fit in otherwise. We gotta be no. cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Me, Ryan, and some other friends are totally planning on doing a bunch of raids while we're there. Yeah, and no, I'm sure you are. We are. Well, we'll walk wait. away during that. You do You yeah. do know that your husband is, is stocking up on region-exclusive Pokemon that he can only get here, that he's going to attempt to trade with Japanese people? <laughs> That's what he does every Saturday morning. He gets up, he does Pokemon hunting, and then he comes home around, like, 10, 11, and I'm getting up. Does he still go to, like, Yola? I don't know. He I don't know his route I, anymore. I <laughs> he changed his route. He doesn't work <laughs> I was, I was, I was downtown with Sean, and I was like, is that? Right. Yeah, he was just like walking. I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's he, like, "Pokemon Go." <laughs> like, he works. He goes when he can. He doesn't work near there anymore. His mm-hmm. work used to be like two blocks away, so he used to just go there yeah. and walk. This it. is like a year ago. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't work near there anymore. But he did um, tell me and Rosie to that we should go there because apparently, like Yola is a nest. Yeah. So like every other that. every other week, there's like a certain Pokemon that like. Hundreds of them will spawn there, huh. so and it changes. So he's yeah. like, you know, always go there because you can get an abundance of magmars or whatever. Yeah. Did you did we you did. take the swan boat to get the gym in the middle? It's of the not there anymore. <laughs> what? No. It, there, yep. The the fountain in the middle used to be a, a Pokemon gym, oh but people were doing stupid ass shit to try and reach it. Oh, oh my yeah, god! No. Um, well, what did they expect? Yeah, we're Floridians. We're idiots. Well, because they probably thought it was going to be some smart way to get people to buy the swan boat yeah. and, and pay for rides or whatever. So it's probably oh, a marketing no. thing. But um, yeah, no. So the the, nice the fountain yeah. is no longer a gym. Good call. Mm-hmm. That's smart, but that's sad. Yeah, it, it, it was very sad to hear about. Yeah. Anybody listening to any music still? No? Nope. No? Okay. I did put, um, I I finished a podcast, so I have nothing to listen to on my commute, so I did stick um, Mania by Fall Out Boy back in my uh, CD player, and nice. I'm a little re-obsessed with that. Okay, so the podcast she's talking about is My Favorite Murder, which we're all obsessed with, and I'm also caught up. Mm-hmm. And I stuck back in Rainbow by Kesha. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. I was just like, I need some just like girl music right now. Yeah. I feel like it. What, after listening to Murder for yeah. over 150 episodes, <laughs> you had to have some girl music? Yeah, pretty much. And Heather, you you and Kelly are still hanging on, I have on, one right? episode left, but oh, I don't she... want to listen to it yet. Yeah, I don't want to be caught like, up yet. Yeah, I'm just listening to the other podcasts that I listen to. I mean, catching I, up on those that I've been neglecting. I do have mini shows to listen to, but... are great. They are like, I, I save those for, like, you know, gym time, because it's, like, 20 minutes. Which, yeah. So, yeah. Definitely, though, um, shout out to Karen and Georgia from My Favorite Murder, probably which inspired us to do this. Oh, yeah. They'll, oh, never, yeah, they'll sure. never hear this, but yes, for we love sure. you. No, yeah, they're, they're great. They're funny. They definitely bring humor into a, a medium or genre that is not mm-hmm. funny, but yeah. they mm-hmm. make it... Um, it makes it a um, little less scary. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I still couldn't cannot listen to them past 2 p.m. Or, um, <laughs> sorry, 6 p.m., my own personal... Oh, I was like, 2 p.m.? Want- <laughs> <laughs> no, I cannot listen to them after 6 p.m., my own personal cutoff point, just for my own sanity. mental sanity. <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, they definitely make it easier to hear about, talk about, and also kind of just 
topical just to hear, mm-hmm. you know, things like, I didn't know that happened. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Wow, yeah. this law exists because of some fucked up shit that happened. Oh, we yeah. need to watch this new TV show. Yeah, yeah. or that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Read um, this new book. if you're into true crime, you're into comedy, go listen to My Favorite Murder. Definitely. For sure. All right, books. Are you still reading Helter Skelter, yep. Heather? That thing is freaking huge. Okay. Beat so... any uh, murderers off with it. Huh? I got a little bit further in my book, my Kissed by an Angel book, which is the title, by the way. <laughs> All right. Confirmed. Verified. Confirmed. Finish the first... It's broken into three parts. Finish the first part. And they were, in fact, set up to be murdered. The, their brakes were cut in their car for their car accident. So, finally, we're into the meat of the story that I care about. Spoilers. It's on the back of the book, I think. I, just, I don't read the backs of books, so, oh, yeah, but I'm yeah. pretty sure it's on the back of the book. Wait, we already you. went over that we're going to spoil things. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Disclaimer. And yeah. This book came out, like, I don't know, 20 years ago. I'm not sure. And then I'm almost done with my Supernatural book, which Yay. I have with me right now because <laughs> I didn't give a shout out to the author and I felt kind of bad. So the author is uh, Keith R.A. DeCandido. And uh, the book is called Supernatural Nevermore. And if you're a nerd like me and like those kind of books of the TV show, then read them. Well, it's, a, it's kind of like an extra episode. Exactly. You and know. I enjoy it's it. Fan fiction. It, it is. It, fan it, fiction. it really is. It's published, published. fan fiction. And we are here glorious. for that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they could say big boy bad words in these. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, damn. Exactly. That's so great. That's nice. That's great. I'm going to talk a little bit about um, one of our other cosplays. So Ashley and I and our friend Sarah and maybe Heather are going to be doing uh, Sailor Moon villains for one of the days. And Ashley, you're going to be uh, Mistress Nine. Mistress Nine. I love Mistress Nine. I'm going to be Queen Beryl. You know, we'll we'll see how uh, scantily clad I get. Boobs. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> My boobs aren't that big. And uh, uh, Wicked Lady is going to be our friend Sarah. And Ashley got a five-foot-long wig. So, <laughs> I did. I bought a five-foot-long black wig. Well, because I was looking up wigs, and, like, all of them came to, like, the mid-back. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no. Her hair goes over the floor. I mean, yeah. her hair... I and mean, granted, it's anime. It's, it's a mm-hmm. cartoon. I totally understand unrealist, unrealism. But... I can't settle for that in cosplay. <laughs> so I bought a five-foot wig, and that was purely because I didn't want to step on it. Otherwise, I would have gone longer. Is it yet another unrealistic expectation for women? Long hair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Long hair that reaches the floor. Add it to the list. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, it's going to be fun, though. It's we always, we it's always some... love doing ridiculous cosplays, and those are seriously out there. It's something um, I personally have always wanted to do. Yeah. So um, this is one I get to cross off my cosplay bucket list, which I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we are going to do Scouts, uh, I think, the day before. Friday, the, yeah. Yeah, uh, or the day after. Thursday. 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 Yeah, the day before. Okay. We're doing the villains (laughs) villains on Friday, the scouts minus Sailor Moon we're doing on um, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Because our other friend who's Sailor Moon won't be there that day. But but we already um, have the Fukus. It's a cosplay mm -hmm. we have done before, so it's kind of nice to be able to reuse um, ones we already have. Well, we're like, we want to save some money and not do every single one, every single day a new cosplay, and it'll go with the villains the next day, so we're just going to do that. Well, it'll be fine. Um, Alicia uh, is Mars, Ashley is Jupiter, Heather is Mercury, and our, our friend Sarah is Venus. Um, the next thing is, well, and final thing is uh, our travel plans are coming together for Japan. We have our Japan Rail Passes, Woohoo! which will get us all around the country on their amazing rail systems that mm-hmm. we're super jealous of. So jealous. <laughs> including so. high-speed rail. 
we're aiming to get reservation at the Pokemon Cafe in uh, in Genza, so we're gonna attempt to do that. Do you think that's a gym? Yes, <laughs> I I can pretty much yeah. assure you it's a gym. <laughs> it's probably several gyms. Each floor oh, is a gym. One? Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a massive Pokemon store and a right, cafe. So right. yeah. Which oh man, that's gonna be fun. It's gonna be dangerous. It it probably will be. We're gonna spend a lot of money on I, plushes. I was gonna say hide your dollars, hide your yen. <laughs> I need a nine tails. Yeah, you do need nine tails. And that's all I've got to say. Mm-hmm. I have my bull picks. I need a nine tails. Maybe a Flareon. We'll see. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Anything else you guys wanted to add? That's all I think we've got for current events. Um, mm-hmm. That was quick. We did it. <laughs> that was. We didn't ramble for an hour. <sighs> okay. Well, then you can email us at ICouldWatchThat at gmail.com. You can reach us on Tumblr and Instagram at ICouldWatchThat. On those two, as well as on Twitter, we're going to be posting blog-type stuff. So, you know, we'll find interesting photos of the party wagon. You can post that. <laughs> the um, red apple cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, maybe, like, a shot of it in one of the other movies it's been in. Prove that uh, it's the actress we said it was. Yes. And that we have some kind of insight in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, a slight caveat on Twitter, we are I Could Watch, because some asshole has the full one. <laughs> who hasn't used it in over a year. No. But we're not bitter about it. We're, we're still super bitter. Uh, I think we'll be saying this every every time. <laughs> <laughs> no, so again, this has been I Could Watch That. Uh, this is Ashley. This is Alicia. This is Heather. And this is Kelly. Thanks for listening. I uh, hope you tune in next week for Clueless. Bye! Bye! Bye.